Chair, we are live. Thank you very much, Jacob. Good evening. We have a new commissioner joining us today for their first meeting, and he'll have a chance to introduce himself uh, after the discussion calendar item. Let's call this meeting of the City of Sacramento Planning and Design Commission to order. Today is Thursday, January 26, 2023. The time is 5.31 p.m. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you. Commissioners, please unmute and turn on your video. Commissioner Boyd is absent. Commissioner Buckley. Absent. Commissioner Chase. Here. Commissioner Caden. Here. Commissioner Lamas. Here. Commissioner Masias Reed. Here. Commissioner Zhang. Here. Commissioner Yi. Here. Commissioner Young. Here. Vice Chair Wallace. Here. And Chair Hernandez. Here. Thank you, we have a quorum. Thank you very much. Uh, be, a few brief housekeeping reminders um, since this meeting is being held virtually via Zoom. For members of the public who wish to join, you can find the Zoom link on the agenda. And once you've joined the meeting and wish to speak, please use the raise your hand feature when your desired, desired item begins in order to join the queue. We will first hear staff presentation. The applicants will have an opportunity to speak. Commissioners can ask questions, and then we will open up the public comment period where the clerk will call upon you to speak. If you're joining us online, click on raise hand at the bottom of your screen. If you're in the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the more tab. And if you're calling in via telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine. Then to unmute or mute yourself, you can dial star six and speakers will be called upon by the last four digits of their phone number. You will have three minutes to let us know your opinion. Members of the public may also submit written electronic comments for the record and email address and a link to submit your e-comments online are also available on the agenda. As a reminder for folks who are logged in to the Zoom meeting as a panelist, please also use the raise your hand feature for any questions or comments during the appropriate time. And for commissioners, please turn on your cameras. We can now move on to the land acknowledgement. Today is approval of the consent calendar, which includes draft meeting minutes from our January 12th meeting. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Uh, 
Thank you, Chair. I do have one hand raised from the public. Uh, it, it may not be for comments on this item, however. Um, can you please promote him as a panelist? I believe he uh, is one of the applicants, if I'm not mistaken. They have been promoted to panelist, and um, we have no uh, hand raised for public comment. Thank you very much. Commissioners, please use the raise your hand feature if you would like to make a comment on the meeting minutes or make a motion to approve. Commissioner Buckley. I would like to move uh, passage. Thank you, we have a motion to approve the consent calendar and we need a second. Commissioner Zhang. I second the motion. Thank you, we have a motion by Commissioner Buckley and a second by Commissioner Zhang. Clerk, will you please call the roll? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Boyd is absent. Commissioner Buckley? Aye. Commissioner Chase? Aye. Commissioner Caden? Aye. Commissioner Lamas? I was not present at the previous meeting, so I'm going to abstain. Commissioner Masius Reed? Abstain, as I was not here. Commissioner Zhang? Aye. Commissioner Yi? Aye. Commissioner Young? Aye. Vice Chair Wallace? Aye. And Chair Hernandez? Aye. Thank you, the motion passes. Thank you very much. We'll now move on to the director's report uh, and pass it on to Daisha. Hi everyone, good evening. Just one item for you tonight. At the meeting on January 12th, Commissioner Boyd asked to add to the Planning and Design Commission's agenda a request that the city council establish a commission subcommittee on parking. I wanted to let you know that staff will report back to Commissioner Boyd and to the rest of the commission when we have additional information. We're currently consulting with the clerk's office on how to proceed. So just a little status update for you so you know it's it's on our minds. So that's all I have for you this evening. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stacia. We will now proceed on to the public hearing calendar. This is item number two. 408024th Street proposed storefront dispensary P22 036. Commissioners, please raise your hand to report any disclosures or recusals. Vice Chair Wallace. Uh, thank you, Chair. I just wanted to note that I uh, communicated with the applicant, um, but I did not discover anything other than what was already contained in the staff report. Thank you very much. Commissioner Macias Reed. Thank you, Chair. I will be recusing myself from this item as I um, it is within the um, district that I represent. Um, so I will be leaving this meeting. Thank you, Commissioner Macias Reed. Commissioner Yi. Uh, I received an email from the applicant. I did not respond, nor did I communicate with the applicant. Thank you, Commissioner Yi. Commissioner Buckley. Thank you, Chair. Um, I um, communicated with a, a representative of the applicant um, consistent with the staff report. Thank you, Commissioner Buckley. Commissioner Lamas. I did have email correspondence with the applicant and the information was consistent with the staff report. Thank you very much. Uh, Commissioner Boyd. 
Thank you, Chair. I was in transit. I'll be on video uh, shortly here. Um, I did have um, communications with the applicant um, consistent with the staff report. Thank you, Commissioner Boyd. Commissioner Caden. Thank you. I received an email from the applicant but did not respond. Thank you, Commissioner Zhang. I also received an email from the applicant. I responded to acknowledge the email but didn't have any questions at the time, so there was no further discussion. Thank you very much. And I also received an email from the applicant, which was consistent with the staff report and did not uh, respond to that email. So I believe we can now move on to a staff presentation. Robert Williams, I believe, is presenting today. So Robert, whenever you're ready. Uh, good evening, commissioners. I'm Robert Williams with the Community Development Department. This is P22036 at 4080 24th Street and 4090 24th Street. Um, I'm going to show you the project location, surrounding zoning and land uses, a description of the project and, and why this project requires planning and design commission review. Um, then I'll talk about the public notice and comments and then the staff recommendation. Can you all see the screen? <laughs> I forgot to ask that. <laughs> Robert, I do not see a staff presentation or okay, hold on. screen. I, I, I messed up a little bit. So let me fix that. <laughs> Just realized I did that. Sorry. Okay, there we go. Can you see yes. it now? Yes, we can. Go ahead. Sorry about that. And uh, so I talked about the address, the file number, and um, what we're talking about the project location, zoning, project description, and finally staff recommendation. Here is the site. Um, it's south of, uh, it's near City College, and I've marked out some several freeways and major streets, including. Uh, Fruit Ridge Road there, Highway 99, Sutterville Road. Um, this next one is a little bit closer, so you can see clearly that it's right south of uh, City College and the light rail station there on 24th Street at the corner of Sutterville Bypass. Uh, another aerial showing you the whole property up close. And I'm just showing you the building here. This is the view from Sutterville the bypass um, the existing property there's some cars parked on there and it used to be a body and paint shop and this is a property that's also part of the project it has an old house that's used for storage and here we are showing the property it's in the c4 zone it's surrounded by c4 zoning and uh, but there is some uh, residential zoning uh, nearby um, RMX and R1. This applicant has requested a conditional use permit for a storefront cannabis dispensary with the delivery service. And they're requesting site plan and design review for exterior renovations, which basically include a rehab of the building and site and new parking lot, um, that parking lot that will now go on to the additional property to the south, the 4090. 24th Street with the house. Here is the site plan that's in the staff report. 
as you can see, there's the parking, there's an entry off of 24th or Sutterville bypass, excuse me, and a parking lot. And there's also an, an entry exit off of a 24th street down below. And here's the floor plan showing how the site's supposed to be laid out with retail and you know, the retail display area. Here's a couple of um, 3D renderings that are in the back of the staff report. Okay, um, this, this requires planning design commission review um, because this site is within 600 feet of a tobacco retailer and within 300 feet of a residential zone. That is why we are here at the Planning Design Commission and not in front of the zoning administrator. I haven't found any um, other storefront dispensaries, parks, um, K-12 schools, or um, any substance abuse centers, youth oriented facilities within 600 feet. This is a 600 foot radius map showing the location approximately of the tobacco retailer. This tobacco retailer is also um, a, basically a liquor store. And here is a 300 foot radius map showing you the residential zones. There's um, RMX that's barely in there. And there's R1 down below. Um, most of these properties are vacant properties except for one facing Sutterville bypass. Okay, um, this is sensitive uses. I've gone over that within 600 feet of one tobacco retailer, within 300 feet of residential zones and the one tobacco retailer sells alcohol. This project site was posted and the notice was mailed to all owners and occupants within a 500 foot radius and to all registered community groups within that radius. Mailing a public hearing was sent on January 13, 2023. There's a 500 foot radius map showing who within that boundaries will get notified. These are the following groups that have been notified. College Plaza, Land Park Community Association, Hollywood Park, Sierra Critters Neighborhood Association, um, the Macro Partnership, I believe, and Preservation Sacramento. And um, no one contacted me from those groups. Um, and then we also posted the site and sent an early notice on August 19, 2022. I did receive three comments from that early notice. One, a couple were just inquiries and the other had some significant uh, details about their concerns. They are part of the attachments to the staff report. Neighborhood comments received um, include private security concerns uh, that business will reduce property values and the loss of other nearby business, like they'll flee to other areas. Um, and but we have a comprehensive cannabis study released in March of 2022 that clearly shows cannabis businesses have not had a negative impact on nearby retail or industrial uses, have not had a negative impact on nearby home values, and they have not created increases in crime beyond the levels generated by other businesses. This industry does not appear to produce negative economic effects on the nearby commercial and residential districts. Staff recommends that the commission approve the project based on finding this fact with the conditions of approval within the draft um, resolution. This project re 
leases vacant tenant space with employment and tax revenue generating use and the conditions assure a safe and productive operation of the property and it will not be a nuisance to the neighboring community. Um, that's um, all I've got. The applicant is available for comment and I'm available for any comments you may have, questions you may have. Thank you, Robert. Uh, who do we have here from the applicant team available to make a presentation? Malachi Min is here and then he's got a couple of people, um, uh, Sean Pietas, and I think there's one other Nunez. Um, I checked my... Let's see. Um, so Sam Prietas, um, he's one of these people. And uh, Malachi, just go to Malachi and then for the first part. Thank you, Robert. Malachi, whenever you're ready. Greetings, uh, Madam Chair and members of the commission. Um, thank you for this moment and time and the opportunity to present um, the, uh, excuse me, the Arise Holdings application for cannabis storefront uh, dispensary to all of you. Um, I'm here with my business partners, Sean Freitas and Henry Ramos. And um, uh, I'll just start off by giving a little bit about myself. I have a 25 year career in the community economic development and public policy field. And uh, during that time, I've been very intentional about supporting the revitalization and economic de development of neighborhoods harmed by drug war impacts. I myself, I'm a drug war survivor. Uh, there's a long and, and traumatic story associated with that, but um, I think this moment in time provides a, uh, an opportunity um, uh, to heal uh, in every sense of the word, as well as give back to my community that I grew up in. Um, I've done my economic development and public policy work as a social entrepreneur, as well as an appointed staff member and or an advisor in California's legislature, Office of the Governor, Fortune 500 Corporations, uh, University of California Office of the President, and the NAACP, which is the nation's oldest and largest civil rights institution. And in the realm of local and state cannabis policy, I've been an industry leader, and I've successfully helped to shape frameworks for equity in the business, public health, tax revenue, and criminal justice system reform dynamics that guide this cannabis industry. After passage of Prop 64, recognizing that this measure gave no prescription for implementing equity and local jurisdictions, uh, my colleague Jim Ketty and I, Jim Ketty of Youth Forward, uh, uh, and I developed a framework for equity in cities and counties. And this framework, you know, provides uh, considerable guidance in those um, four areas, again, of, of business, of public health, of local tax revenue and criminal justice system reform. And so uh, after developing a framework and seeing here in my own backyard in, in Sacramento that uh, there was no leadership uh, for 
equity in the city of Sacramento, uh, I began a program within my own organization, the California Urban Partnership, called the Institute for More. And um, the Institute for More focuses on advocacy and on training uh, social equity uh, populations uh, in uh, policy and in uh, entrepreneurship. And so I became the lead agitator and the community organizer and the policy designer and negotiator who successfully spearheaded the city's adoption of the core ordinance. That ordinance included $2 million in funds for a business technical assistance program to help core entrepreneurs enter the legal market. Um, fast forward to just last year uh, and before uh, uh, the passage of, of Measure L, I contributed $30,000 and over 350 man hours uh, towards the efforts that led to the passage of Measure L last year. Measure L is going to carve out 40% of local cannabis tax revenue for youth prevention and youth development programs and activities, something that is very near and dear to my heart. So going on the note of Arise and, and this application, uh, my partners and I have used an abundance of, of, of caution and, and, and time to uh, form a site that doesn't have major conflicts with sensitive use restrictions in the city planning code. We have a site that is already permitted for non-retail cannabis uses, and it's adjacent to other retail businesses. This site um, is, uh, um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, emotional at times and, and just amazed of how it's located right down the street from where I grew up along the 24th Street corridor in the Meadowview and the Florin areas. Uh, this site is going to repurpose and beautify two vacant commercial properties on a corner lot to help eliminate blight and bring new investment to the neighborhood. And we're at the end of the day positioning a legal, a safe and regulated core business to improve our regional and neighborhood economies, job creation and public safety. Um, with that said, and, and you know, uh, we did we did uh, uh, our own outreach as well, uh, which includes reaching out to the nearby businesses and the neighborhood associations. Uh, we haven't heard any negative feedback, uh, significant negative feedback, and so you know we're really excited about the opportunity to give back to our community, to create jobs, to contribute to the tax base, in all the right ways. And with that said, I, um, I, um, I ask and, and request that this commission uh, approve the ARISE application. Thank you. Thank you very much, Malachi. We'll move on to commissioner questions before we open it up for public comment. Um, commissioners, if you have any questions for staff or the applicants, please use the raise your hand feature. I see Commissioner Boyd. Thank you, Chair. My uh, laptop is moving slow, so I'll maybe another minute or two and I'll be on video. Um, I do have a question for the applicant. As you stated, uh, as was stated by uh, uh, Mr. Williams in the present, his presentation, I believe it was just one letter of concern in regards to the detrimental effects of having a cannabis business, and that was addressed, uh, of course, through the uh, 
um, report that was given uh, last year and in Robert's presentation. Um, uh, Malachi, uh, pardon me, Mr. Min, the- um, Malachi is good. I like Malachi. Right on. Um, in your presentation, uh, you had stated that you haven't received any, um, uh, I'm trying to uh, speak verbatim, significant detrimental um, emails or contact from the neighborhood. Um, when you say not significant, are you speaking in, in regards to the, the email that I just mentioned where they were asking what is the impact of a, a cannabis uh, business in, in the, in the uh, area? Or have you received a, a secondary uh, comment um, not so favorable that, that we're not aware of? Um, Commissioner, I, I'm referring to one uh, particular comment that came in regarding the um, the concerns around where cannabis dispensaries, cannabis operations uh, are being located. As I'm sure many of you know, um, for the longest time, there have been no dispensaries in uh, District 5 or District 8. Uh, for core participants, we've had a number of challenges with respect to zoning um, a a and, and everything else. Uh, but um, uh, that's the uh, that's the concern that, that came with someone who was concerned about having a dispensary in District 5. Um, and I guess then for some reason they, you know, they, they don't, they don't want a dispensary there. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And um, what you may not have off the top of your head, but I'm sorry, my uh, system is booting here and it was quite loud. Sorry about that. Um, the, as you said, um, perhaps, I don't know if they are a resident of District 5 or not, but that was one resident. Uh, I don't know if they um, gave the information if they are a local resident or just someone in District 5. Uh, with that said, uh, as both in your presentation and uh, um, staff's presentation, besides the one letter, again, asking in regards to the impact of a cannabis business and the hundreds uh, folks in the residential area, there has been no... Um, response in regards to uh, not wanting your business and the business district is also in favor of your business. So everything seems to be, uh, only because I can't think of a better term, honky-dory at this point. And uh, with, without any issues other than the one resident, if they are a resident of District 5. But with that said, so that everything looks fine, I just wanted to follow up on your statement of um, not so much, um, um, not so significant. But anyway, with that, you answered, and, and thank you very much. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Floyd. I'm getting a little bit of feedback. I think um, that was resolved. So thank you, Commissioner Boyd. We'll now move on to Commissioner Chase. Thank you, Chair. I think I've asked, answered the question that I did have for Robert. Um, 
it's always a challenge when a site is located on a corner and a bend in terms of visibility, but it appears that, and I, wanted, I was going to ask if Public Works had reviewed the uh, driveway uh, locations. Here's that uh, uh, comment BC70 from Public Works has addressed that in keeping uh, walls, hedges, and things out of the line of sight so that there is safe entrance and exit out of those driveways. So. Um, glad I found it. Anything else to add to that, Robert? You're muted. Sorry. <laughs> um, they reviewed the project. I believe we had some um, back and forth to fix the plan a little bit. Um, can't remember quite what that was, but they reviewed it and they accepted the driveways and existing site. Um, so everything should be good for entry and exit okay good thank you thank you chair thank you commissioner chase commissioner young thank you um my question is for the planning staff um i i noticed on the, an overview a, a satellite map that the location is located adjacent to a certified smog center um across the street is some auto body work um and so my question is um you know I'm, I'm more in the housing world but generally speaking if there's some sort of residential development uh whatnot you, you do a phase one to make sure that um the site is safe um and in this case you know i, I my my main concern would be for the employees of, of the store who would be there for, for long hours. And so I don't know if um, there's any kind of testing or any sort of um, analysis that needs to be done to make sure that the water, whatever the water connections are, underground water is safe or whatever other types of environmental conditions that is gonna require res you know employees who are gonna be there for most of the day. Um, I, I tried looking through the the conditions. I didn't see any kind of environmental type of report or anything like that that was a condition of the building permit. So I, if you can maybe sort of educate me if, if something like that is considered on a, a commercial commercial basis. And I'm open to any of the other commissioners if, if they might have some knowledge on this, uh, you know, what, what would be the... Uh, what would be the, the appropriate response to something like this? Thank you, Commissioner Young. I see um, Kevin has his hand raised. Do you want to respond to that? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'd like to. Um, good evening, Commission. Um, thank you for the question, Commissioner Young. So um, this project has been reviewed by our environmental review staff, and you might note in the staff report that we're recommending a categorical exemption pursuant to CEQA. In terms of analysis, what that means is that we have reviewed databases that would identify whether the site has um, what we call a Cortese site or it has any known contaminants that have been recorded for regulatory purposes and cleanup. And so we have to say no in order to present this recommendation for exemption to you. So um, there is no known prior uh, regulatory issue with regard to contamination. Um, and then uh, yeah, the, re the, the rest, um, would be with regard to this applicant and if their, their construction activities, they would apply best practices such as asbestos, you know, containment and the like that would be a remedy through the building permit review process. And, 
And um, Colin, is that literature search done within like, I'm, I'm assuming it was kind of done at, at what point in time? I'm assuming it's done within a year, right? So we know that nothing's been recorded like within the year. It, it, so that re, that analysis would have been performed uh, after application submittal for this conditional use permit and the routing to staff. It's a routine practice where there are online databases that actually the, the right. public, anyone can access. So we would have put that query and there's mandatory um, digital uploading for all um, cases, so to speak. So pretty, yeah. Does that answer okay. your question? Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Commissioner Young. Commissioner Yee. Thank you. A uh, couple of, I think, straightforward questions. Uh, the parking lot to the west, uh, that is uh, parking for Sacramento City College, I believe. And, yes, owned by Los Rios, yes. Yes. And in the past number of years, and I understand the pandemic might have caused some issues, but I don't see that parking lot being used very often, even pre-pandemic. Uh, is it just not needed anymore? I don't know, but I think that parking lot was built before they built the parking garages on the- That's correct. Yeah. So so I, I think it's probably something that's overflow. <laughs> okay, so, so that then uh, creates a basis for my next question. The underlying zone is a C4R. Briefly, what is allowed in a C4R zone? Well, generally, heavy commercial uses. Something that's that's, I mean, it's it's less than light industrial, and it's more than general commercial. Um, I, I'd have to look up the definition of that to be sure, but um, is, so it's a little bit is, less than light industrial. Thank you. Well, any type of residential, single family, multifamily, apartments, whatever, is our residential units allowed on a C4R? Um, I think they can be, but <laughs> I don't remember. I'll, I'll, oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'll interject. Uh, the short answer is no, uh, it, with a caveat that a dormitory could be proposed. Uh, there are some special use regulations that apply uh, temporary residential shelter. Uh, so for the unhoused could be proposed and is permitted by right in the district. Um, there are a number uh, multi-unit um, duplex that I'd ha we'd have to further evaluate. It looks like the multi-unit's only allowed in the central city area, C4 zone. So okay. The menu is rather limited for residential as indicated by the heavy commercial uh, label. This is one of these chicken and egg types of questions that we often uh, come across. Uh, should, at some point in the future, residential becomes an issue, and if it's not allowed by right, at that point, then staff would consider what the appropriate uh, barrier, fence, wall, what have you, that would be considered at that time to separate this project from the parking lot. Yes. Would that be the process? 
Well, usually with this, with whatever site plan designer you or CUP looks for that property, they would um, evaluate the land uses and put up the appropriate walls or fences. So that would be a requirement of the next project, not this project. Usually, yes. Okay. Uh, not now. I recall, I recall a, uh, a wrought iron fence around the uh, City College parking lot. Although I do not, on the site plan provided uh, by the applicant team, I do not, there is not a notation as to what separates the new north parking lot from the existing city college parking lot. Is there a wrong, is there some sort of fence between the two? And I don't particularly care if it's a city college fence or if it's whoever's fence. Is there a separation between the two? Um, just, just going back to the photos, I see a, well, it looks like a chain link fence on part of it. Um, so that, that's all that I see now. Malachi, do you know if there's any other fences? Uh, yes, sir. There, there are two fences. Um, one belongs to the city and one belongs to us. That is on the west side of your new parking lot. That's correct. Okay. Uh, there was in your presentation, uh, you had mentioned, and there was a mention of it in the electronic comments about an existing approval, uh, exist, an existing permit that was mentioned. And while I've gone through the stack for a couple of times, I did not notice, recall a discussion about what sounds like an existing approval for a cannabis business. Uh, can you clarify what that was referring to? If there's an existing approval for cannabis uh, production. Um, I believe it's was for mostly non-volatile manufacturing. And uh, was there any cultivation in there? Um, I, I, I have to look at the report again, but it's for cannabis production, not a dispensary. Okay. And, and I apologize for missing that in the staff report. Okay, great. Thank you. I yield. Thank you, Commissioner Yee. Um, I don't see any uh, other hands raised from commissioners for, for commissioner questions. So we'll now open up the public comment period. Robert, have we received any e-comments after 5.30 p.m. today? Uh, yes, there are, there are two. After 5.30? Yes, after 5.30 p.m. today. There's one after 5.30. Um, let me try to help share that. Can you see this screen here? Yes, we can. Thank you for pulling Either that out. 5.50 p.m. Okay, we'll take a minute to, to review this additional comment. Can I ask Robert if you could make that a little bit larger for me? I'd appreciate it. Um, um, 
that working? <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, thank you, Robert, for pulling that up. I, we can now move on to the public commenters who wish to speak on this item. Clerk, will you please uh, queue up the speakers? Yes, Chair, one moment. Thank you. Chair, I have three members of the public with their hand raised. Uh, one L Inman, gonna allow you to speak now. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Lacidra, and I'm here today as a community member and a core program participant. Um, I strongly support Malachi's proposed storefront dispensary, and I urge the Planning Commission to approve this project. Uh, Malachi has a proven record of community outreach and contributions, and his dispensary will bring much needed social and economic benefits to the area. Uh, the core program is an important initiative that aims to provide equity for minorities in the cannabis industry, as you all know. And I believe that Malachi is the right person to lead this project. Once again, I urge you to vote in favor of this project. Thank you for your time. Next, I have Eliana Green. Hello. Hi, um, my name is Eliana Green. I'm calling for the Hood Incubator, a grassroots organization empowering drug war survivors to end the drug war by 2040. I'm calling to urge you to approve the Arise Storefront um, application dispensary today. Malachi Min, um, a drug war survivor, is a business leader and community servant that we are all very proud of. Um, within his 25-year career in um, community economic development and public policy, he's focused on revitalizing and transforming neighborhoods that have been harmed by the impacts of the drug war. In 2017, as the director of the Institute for More, um, Malachi became the lead community organizer, um, spearheading the city's adoption of the Cannabis Opportunity Reinvestment and Equity Program, or the CORE Program. Um, approval of Malachi's storefront dispensary would advance much-needed progress for the city's CORE ordinances. Um, while the city's CORE ordinances uh, has a policy goal of having 50% of all cannabis businesses be owned by CORE operators, right now less than 8% of the city's cannabis businesses are held by CORE participants. Um, Malachi has taken an abundance of caution, financial resources, and time to structure a solid business. Um, as they discussed earlier, he selected a business that's already permitted for non-retail cannabis uses, um, and that's adjacent to other retail businesses. Um, the business is going to be located down the street from where he grew up, which is uh, hugely impactful and important to retain members of the community. Um, and he's going to be repurposing and beautifying two vacant commercial properties um, on the corner to help eliminate the blight and to reinvest in the community. And finally, um, he positions a legal and safe regulated core business to improve our region and neighborhood economies and job creation. So for all these reasons, the Hood Incubator is calling in support of Arise Dispensary, and we hope that you'll vote yes on this. Thank you. 
Next, I have Maisha. Hi, can you guys hear me? I pressed the button. I don't know what I pressed. Yes, we can. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Um, hi, my name is Maisha Bahati. I am the CEO of Crystal Nuts, cannabis delivery and storefront retailer here, well, soon to be storefront retailer here in Sacramento. And I'm calling in support of Malachi and his storefront project. Um, Malachi has clearly been essential in social equity here in Sacramento, um, definitely a community leader. And he's going to bring the community, you know, opportunities with this storefront dispensary. We desperately need that, com that community involvement and that commitment um, in this cannabis industry. So I think this is a wonderful opportunity. Um, he deserves it. You know, he's going to bring a lot of opportunity to those who would not otherwise have it. And so I fully support this project and I hope that, you know, he will get approved. Thank you so much. Next, I have uh, Kika. Good evening, all. My name is Kika Keith. I am the co-founder of the Social Equity Owners and Workers Association, as well as board member for the California Cannabis Equity Alliance. And I could say that you would not have a better candidate that has not only trailblazed through economic justice and social justice and equity, um, but he has been a leader in our community. And we know that he will be a benefit um, to the program as well as this community. So we strongly urge um, that you support uh, Malachi and Arise's uh, licensing application. Thank you so much. And our last speaker is Kevin. Hello, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Sorry, I had to pull over to get this. Now, I just want to be short and sweet. My name is Kevin Hook. Um, it's been a lot said about, you know, Brother Malachi and his team, and all of it is true. He goes above and beyond for, you know, everyone in this community. You know, the community that we call the core community that's been, you know, going through these same uh, planning commission dates. And you hear a lot of the same people, but just know that, you know, when you advance projects like these, it advances everything that we all talk about and, and want to build with each other. And, you know, again, everything that's been said, you know, Malachi has helped us. I've seen him help countless people in just a short time of knowing him, to be honest. You know, I, I met him two years ago. He's been knowing people that I've known my whole life. And, you know, it's been a blessing just, you know what I mean? Just knowing him and knowing that all of us, the people that have called in are, are, are here and, you know, appreciate planning commissioning for always, you know, thinking of the core community when you guys can. And, you know, to Malachi and his team, congratulations. Please vote yes. Thank you. Chair, I have no more speakers. Thank you, Jacob. We'll now close the public comment period and bring the discussion back to the commissioners. Commissioners, uh, any questions, comments, or motions? Commissioner Caden. 
Thank you, Chair. I uh, just wanted to say that um, this project's in the district from which I was appointed. Uh, seems like a great project to me. Um, when it comes to promotion, I'll be happy to support and looking forward to uh, hopefully a great new business in this part of the city. Thank you, Commissioner Caden. Commissioner Buckley. Thank you, Chair. Um, I just wanted to uh, thank the uh, applicant for their presentation. Thank you, staff, for your presentation as well. Um, I just, I think that um, when these types of applications come before this committee, I think it's good for us to be cognizant of um, the core program, the, the work and the goals of that program to make sure that we reverse um, the really terrible impacts that the war on drugs had on our community. Um, so I know those kinds of things don't necessarily show up in the staff report, but I think it's something that we should all be cognizant of as we vote on these matters. And I think that this particular um, application really advances that agenda. So I'll be supporting. I'd like to um, make a motion for approval. Thank you, Commissioner Buckley. We have a motion to approve staff recommendation and we'll next go to Commissioner Lemus. Thank you. Um, and thank you uh, for the app, for the um, presentation. Um, from what I heard, um, there seems to be a lot of uh, strong community support for this uh, project, which is um, good to hear um, that there has been a lot of engagement. Um, I think uh, strong partners in the community are, are vital um, to the neighborhoods that they are located in. Um, I am in the South Natomas um, community and there is a, a local dispensary that has built a strong partnership with our neighborhood association and um, it just goes to show how um, vital those relationships can be. And I was um, wondering if um, you can share a little bit more information to, to highlight um, some of the good work that um, uh, maybe you intend to do uh, to, to nurture those relationships within the community because it sounds like you um, have been intentional in that regard. Thank you, Commissioner Lamas. And that question I believe is directed to Malachi. Correct. Malachi. Thank you, Commissioner. Community engagement and partnership has been a part of my DNA for 30 years, well over 30 years. Um, with respect to your question, you know, I, I see the entire process of, of, of uh, using the Arise dispensary um, uh, as a job creator, uh, as also being the um, uh, or, or bringing the leadership that's necessary for uh, um, the community to thrive. You know, the, the left arm uh, and the right arm the left hand and the right hand should be working together. And, you know, our neighborhoods are only as strong as uh, the business and community resident uh, partnerships, as well as other institutions partnering together uh, to bring what is necessary to create a thriving community. And that uh, I see, you know, is, is, is five elements and you know that includes the the access to capital, the uh, the civic engagement, the infrastructure uh, that's necessary, which um, uh, is is not only um, utilities but transportation and housing, and also infrastructure 
for youth and, and, and young people to, to be supported and to thrive in reaching their fullest potential. It includes um, the workforce development, which is why I am so um, uh, honored and, and hopeful to have had the opportunity to, to partner with California Community Colleges. And, and as you can see in the staff report, uh, we have support from the Los Rios Community College District uh, that is moving in the directions that uh, many other uh, community colleges across the state, uh, namely San Francisco uh, City College, Long Beach City College, and a number of others are coming online with their uh, uh, cannabis uh, curriculum from uh, the uh, that that will cover everything from the mechanics of the supply chain to the the medicine and and the sciences, as well as you know, the, the education around um, responsible use. And, um, you know, all of those things are incredibly important to me. And I, I hope that answers your question, Commissioner. Thank you. Thank you, Malachi. Thank you, Commissioner Lamas. We have next Vice Chair Wallace. thorough effort that you've put into this application and also supporting this growth program. And with that, I would like to start my time. Thank you very much. Uh, we have a motion by Commissioner Buckley and a second by Vice Chair Wallace. I see Commissioner Boyd with his hand raised. Commissioner. Thank you, Chair. Just having a little technical difficulty here. Um, I thought I was on screen, but apparently Apparently, I am not. Um, but there we go. Malachi, you had answered the question I was going to ask in regards to the Los Rios Community College um, support letter, and you beat me. Your answer beat me to my question. Uh, and with that, well, you know, I was about to ask you a, ask you a question, but it may be proprietary in regards to the community college, so I won't ask. Let me back away. So with that, uh, I do also want to say um, I'd like to give. I'm going to give my support behind this project. And as all questions have been answered uh, in every aspect tenfold, it is fantastic to see another business coming uh, about in this particular community of, uh, of uh, the applicant's location, to which I'm very familiar with, and Sacramento City College as well. Shameless plug, played on the undefeated national championship football team way back when. But with that said, uh, the football house was about a block and a half from your location. And yes, the parties were all that I rest. But with that, I do give my support behind the motion and the second, and uh, just for good nature, I'm thirding the, the motion as well. Congratulations on such a great presentation, Malachi. Thank you, Chair. Thank you for the third, Commissioner Boyd. Um, also want to extend uh, my appreciation to staff for their hard work and Malachi for all of the work that you do in the community, as well as uh, the members of the community who came to express their, their uh, opinion and support and voices in participating in this process. And with that, um, Clerk, will you please call the roll for a vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Boyd. Here we go. I guess I'm still having issues. Aye. Commissioner Buckley? Aye. Commissioner Chase? 
Aye. Commissioner Caden? Aye. Commissioner Lamas? Aye. Commissioner Masias Reed has recused herself. Commissioner Zhang? Aye. Commissioner Yi? Aye. Commissioner Young? Aye. Vice Chair Wallace? Aye. And Chair Hernandez? Aye. Thank you, the motion passes. Thank you very much, uh, Robert. Congratulations on the tie. We'll now move on to item number three. This is Sacramento Music Hall, P20-041. Commissioners, are there any disclosures or recusals? Commissioner Caden. Uh, thank you, Chair. I exchanged emails and um, had Zoom calls with both the applicants and an attorney representing clients that are uh, opposed to the project. All conversation was consistent with the staff report as, as well as the supplemental materials. Thank you, Commissioner Caden. Vice Chair Wallace. Chair, um, I've had a couple of meetings both with um, representatives of the Fire Hall Collective and also the applicants um, over the last uh, year and a half, actually. <laughs> and um, everything has been consistent with what is reflected in the staff report today. Thank you, Vice Chair. Next, Commissioner Young. Uh, I had a Zoom meeting with the applicant's representative consistent with the staff report. Thank you, Commissioner Young. Commissioner Yi. Thank you. I had a Zoom meeting with the applicant, uh, applicant's team, that is, uh, and with uh, representatives of the Power N Alliance. I've also exchanged emails with staff, uh, all consistent with the uh, staff report. Thank you, Commissioner Yi. Commissioner Buckley. Thank you, Chair. I met with um, a representative of the Power in Alliance um, and discussed matters consistent with the staff report. Thank you, Commissioner Buckley. Commissioner Zhang. Hi, I also had a um, Zoom meeting with um, Matt Kiesling and Brian Holloway. Items, were items that were discussed were consistent with the staff report. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Zhang. Commissioner Lamas. I uh, met virtually with a community member. Um, that discussion was consistent with the staff report. I also met virtually with the applicant where I was shown a PowerPoint presentation, but indicated that it will be shared during tonight's presentation as well. So that uh, remains consistent with the staff report. Thank you, Commissioner Lamas. Commissioner Macias-Reed. Yes, I met with a representative from the Power In Alliance and also uh, representatives from um, both the applicants um, and um, um, representatives uh, from opposition. Um, and then all the topics were consistent with staff report. Thank you, Commissioner Matthias Reed. Commissioner Chase. Thank you. I also met with the uh, representative of the applicant, and discussion was consistent with the staff report. Thank you, Commissioner Chase. Commissioner Boyd. Thank you, Chair. I received an uh, email just this afternoon from um, representative of the applicant, and it is consistent with the staff report, but I have not answered the email. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Boyd. I also received emails from a representative of the applicant. I met with them in person and talked on the phone. I also received um, email communication and met with the Power In Alliance and the representative over the course of the last year and a half to two years. 
all of the discussions were consistent with the staff report. Um, so we can now move on to the staff presentation. Angel Anguiano, whenever you're ready. Okay. Can you share my screen here? Okay, great. Uh, well, uh, good evening, um, Chair Hernandez and commissioners. My name is Angel Anguiano. I am the project planner for Sacramento Music Hall file number P20041 and it's agenda item number three. Right. Uh, the proposed project is a request to establish a music and performing arts center and a restaurant at 2950 and 3250 Ramona Avenue. Uh, the applicant is proposing to combine the existing vacant buildings on site and repurpose them to allow for the proposed operations. The requested entitlements include a conditional use permit to establish a bar and nightclub in the manufacturing research and development zone, solid waste restricted overlay, and Sacramento Center for Innovation Specific Plan Area, a conditional use permit to utilize one off-site parking lot beyond 1,250 feet from the site, uh, site plan and design review to repurpose two vacant warehouse buildings and associated site improvements on approximately 6.36 acres, and a tree permit to remove 12 uh, city trees. Um, early in the review of the project, staff evaluated the project description, its plans, and its plans to identify the appropriate land use category for the proposed use. Uh, staff considered both assembly and bar nightclub uses. Uh, within the manufacturing research and development zone, assembly uses are allowed by right, and bar nightclubs are allowed with approval of a conditional use permit. Uh, staff acknowledges uh, the several community letters that we received uh, throughout the process of the project, uh, expressing concerns with the use because it's seen as a bar and nightclub with occasional concerts. Uh, however, in order to remain transparent and err on the side of caution, staff determined that the proposed project could not be considered an assembly use since alcohol would be served at two bars that are detached from the restaurant with the probability of the majority of the guests patronizing the event area and not frequenting and or purchasing a meal at the restaurant. Therefore, uh, for zoning purposes, staff determined that the proposed use more closely resembled a bar and nightclub uh, land use and requires a CUP review and granted by the commission. Uh, staff also recognizes the use will function as a performing arts and event space that would host a wide range of events, uh, wide range of events um, that uh, that the proposed use would not closely be resembled as a bar and nightclub. Just to provide you some context as to where the project is located, uh, the proposed uh, the site is located within Council District Six. Uh, the zoning of the property is manufacturing, research, and development, and is also within the Sacramento Center for Innovation Specific Plan. Uh, the purpose of these two designations is to allow is to lay out the framework and development standards uh, for future development that comes in into the area that includes the types of uses or operations uh, that are permitted by right or conditionally allowed right? these two designations also lay out very specific development standards for the project such as minimum parking tree shading and setbacks the project is generally located south of Bryan Avenue and north of Cucamonga Avenue and west of Ramona Avenue. 
Uh, as previously mentioned, the project is located within the Sacramento Center for Innovation uh, specific plan, which was adopted in 2013 by the city of Sacramento. Uh, the specific plan redeveloped approximately 240 acres of land uh, to transform a primarily heavy industrial area into a more intensive employment center that serves as a hub for innovation businesses and clean technology industries. Uh, the specific plan was designed to guide future decisions regarding land use, and land use, intensity of development, circulation, public services, and the necessary infrastructure uh, improvements to support uh, the innovative businesses. Uh, included in the specific plan, a number of guiding principles were included to provide guidance for development. Uh, a number of assumptions uh, pertaining to distribution of land uses and proposed intensities were also made for future developments in the area. Uh, the assumptions were not meant to be prescriptive, but rather act as a tool to envision an overall level of future development within the 240 acres of land. Uh, specifically, within the, specifically within this area, uh, the document or the specific plan uh, defers all development regulations, including land use and zoning uh, to Title 17 of the Planning and Development Code. The only specifically prohibited use within this area uh, is cannabis cultivation. In Title 17, a bar and nightclub use is allowed with a conditional use permit approved by the Planning and Design Commission. It's also important to note that in 2013, uh, the bar and nightclub land use was listed in the zoning ordinance and like cannabis cultivation could have been specifically prohibited, um, should have been uh, decided by the, by the stakeholders at that time. Um, uh, because the uses were not prohibited, uh, that allows for the evaluation of a conditional use permit for a bar and nightclub uh, based on the merits of the project, uh, findings of fact, and conditions of approval. Uh, currently, the surrounding land uses include industrial warehouses uh, to the north, and further north is the project known as the Crossings. Uh, which is a residential uh, multifamily development. Uh, to the south is a contractor storage yard. Uh, to the east is our warehouse buildings, uh, some partially vacant land and the future home of the California Mobility Center. And to the west is our railroad tracks, heavy rail and a Tahoe park. So as I mentioned, uh, within the Sacramento Center for Innovation Plan, there are seven uh, guiding principles or key points uh, that guide the development of the area. Staff believes that the rehabilitation of these uh, two vacant warehouses with an active community-oriented business will contribute positively to the surrounding area and is consistent with the area vision by furthering the objective and the plan. The proposed project and its operations have been designed with these policies, policies in mind and work towards advancing innovation in the arts within the specific plan. Uh, the project is located within the employment center mid-rise uh, within the general plan uh, within the general plan the general plan is a guiding document that sets forth specific policies and goals that uh, on how the city should grow in, in the long term uh, in this case the site is located within the employment center mid-rise area and it's envisioned as a critical role in accommodating new businesses creating new jobs and providing an opportunity for new infill development uh, the wide variety of uses are provided in this designation, including large mixed-use office, employment centers that include office complexes, support retail and service uses, 
such as restaurants, dry cleaners, uh, gym fitness centers, uh, markets, hotels, residential uses, uh, as a supportive mixed use or adjacent to large employment centers and special uses. Uh, in the staff report, a number of general plan policies are listed in which the project is consistent with, but I'd like to highlight a few of them. Um, uh, policy 1.15 related to infill developments, policy 2.18 uh, related to neighborhood enhancements, policy 2.65 existing structure reuse, and the Fruit Ridge Broadway Community Plan policy uh, FBLU 1.2, uh, which speaks to the entertainment, uh, which encourages cultural and entertainment oriented uses within the community plan. Um, as I mentioned, the project is located within the Manufacturing Research and Development Zone, and it's surrounded by the same land use, uh, zoning designation to the north, south, east, and to the west is heavy, heavy rail, which is the heavy, um, heavy industrial, which is the heavy rail, and also the open space, which is the park. Um, also is the uh, residential multifamily project, which is zoned uh, R2D. Uh, so this is an image of the site plan, a schematic site plan. Uh, the applicant is proposing to make substantial improvements to both the project site and the warehouse buildings to accommodate the new uses. Uh, currently, each lot and build, each, each building are separate, uh, but are proposed to be merged as part of the project and will be connected by, centrally, uh, by a central walkway providing access between both buildings. Uh, the northern lot at 2950 Ramona Avenue is the location of the our venue, which is, oh, my apologies, is, well, I was trying to use my the clicker here, but, well, but the northern portion of the building is where the, uh, the, the bar or the event space would, would take place, and to the south is the restaurant. Uh, the project meets the city tree shading requirements. It includes solar panels, improvements to street frontage with uh, improved landscaping, water detention, and tree shading. Uh, the, pro uh, the project is proposing a total of 439 vehicle parking spaces on site. Uh, and during the review of the project, it was determined that additional parking may be required in cases when large events or uh, larger crowds arrive. So it was determined that an off-site parking arrangement be established in cases when those large crowds are expected. Uh, the applicant has agreed to an offsite parking arrangement with regional transit for an additional 75 vehicle parking spaces um, located at uh, 3009 Power Inn Road. And the applicant has also agreed to provide shuttle services to take attendees to and from uh, the venue. Uh, in total, the building has been designed for a capacity of approximately 2,200 people uh, this includes the assembly area, kitchen, stage, restaurants, and other accessory uses within the building. Uh, however, uh, the applicant has agreed to reduce its capacity to 1,991 people in order to address parking availability. Uh, based on the aforementioned um, operations plan, the applicant anticipates hosting two to three events uh, a week with full-time uh, with, uh, with, with the restaurant operating uh, daily. Uh, Events would be scheduled between the hours of 6 a.m. and 1 a.m. Sunday through Thursday, and from 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. Friday, Saturday, and holidays. Uh, the restaurant is anticipated to be open uh, Sunday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 1 a.m., and Sunday through Thursday, 
from 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. Uh, Friday, Saturday, and holiday. Uh, staff reviewed the requested hours of operation and taking into consideration the community's concerns, uh, staff is recommending that the venue stop performances at 1 a.m. Uh, Sunday through Thursday and 2 a.m. Friday, Saturday, and holidays. Um, the actual public hours of operation will, will vary depending on the event. Um, so yeah, so on this page, I'd like to just um, bring up that there is supplemental material uh, that was uploaded to the website. Uh, it includes uh, a commission study uh, uh, by the Pirate Alliance, um, which is an analysis of the transportation uh, impact study uh, prepared by uh, Farron Pierce. And Farron Pierce provided a response uh, to the letter that was provided. Uh, 53 new letters of support, um, a letter from a Taylor O'Wiley, uh, which includes additional uh, conditions of approval uh, that should be considered by the commission. Um, also revised conditions of approval and findings of fact uh, for entitlements C and D. I'd uh, like to just point out that we just adjusted after uh, coordinating with the applicant's architect and finding some of the, um, the numbers. Uh, we updated the building square footage to 31,905 square feet, uh, but the bar and nightclub area totals approximately 21,931 square feet. Uh, and then also a letter uh, to the Planning Commission um, uh, that was included as part of the supplemental material. So with that, uh, staff is recommending approval of the project and recommends that the Planning and Design Commission approve the project this evening, subject to the draft conditions of approval and findings of fact. Uh, staff supports the project because it furthers the goals and policies of the general plan, uh, Fruit Ridge Broadway Community Plan, and the, and the Sacramento Center for Innovation Specific Plan Area. And the project design, operations, and conditions of approval will ensure that the event venue and restaurant will contribute positively to the surrounding neighborhood and will support the redevelopment goals of the area. Uh, so with that, that concludes my presentation. Um, we also have uh, Tina Levoy from, she's the new nighttime uh, manager who would like to make a brief presentation uh, and give you some additional uh, context as to um, what, uh, what happens after the condition of use permit process and what, and what happens on her side of the entertainment permitting side. So I'll leave it to her. Thank you very much, Angel. Uh, was it Tina you said would be presenting next? Tina, yes. whenever you're ready. Okay, thank you. Uh, good evening, I'm Tina Levote. I'm the city's nighttime economy manager and staff asked me to provide a brief overview of the city's entertainment permit program and its requirements as tonight's project would be subject to the program if approved. So I have a presentation I'd like to share. So this is uh, the city's um, entertainment permit program and our goal is ensuring a safe, festive and successful nightlife in the city of Sacramento. Tina? Yes? I'm having trouble see seeing your screen if you're sharing a presentation. Is it not showing? Or am I frozen? It, we do not see it on our side. Okay, I am now having, for some reason, computer problems and it is not showing. So I can go through, oh, there we go. Is it going now? There it is, thank you. Okay, so I'm gonna actually go back a couple of slides. Oh, let's 
go here. Okay. So uh, in terms of the city's entertainment permit program, it was originally adopted in 2003 and revised in 2014. And it basically regulates entertainment that's allowed in the city. And it requires that any entertainment that's provided is required to have a permit. It actually allows the city to impose conditions relating to entertainment operations and provides exemptions for entertainment. So basically, what is entertainment? Um, it's pretty much any event, activity, or business where the public can watch, listen, or participate, or it's conducted to gain attention or amuse guests. And examples include live music, DJs, dancing, comedy, karaoke, and trivia. So once someone comes in to provide entertainment, there's an application process. So the application process includes a live scan of the applicant and the managers. Uh, the application is routed to city staff and key stakeholders for review and comment. We also have an inspection on the site to ensure that it complies with building and fire code. The applicant is required to post uh, the notice of application for 14 days. And then notices are also mailed to property owners within 500 feet. It should be noted that an application is deemed complete when a uh, applicant has actually been cleared by LifeScan. They provided all the documentation that's required, such as an ABC license and a business operation tax certificate, as well as they've cleared all of the building inspections. So once a permit is approved and issued, it's valid for two years and may be extended an additional two years if there's no significant violations. Uh, permit holders have to sign operational conditions that address public health and safety and welfare. Conditions have to be on the premise and they're non-transferable to another person or location. So there are a lot of conditions that we place on entertainment permits, but for tonight's purpose, I'm just gonna go through some of those key conditions that would probably be relevant to the discussion tonight. The first condition that's very important is that a responsible person or manager has to be on duty whenever entertainment is offered. That person has to be cleared through live scan and call us silly, we just don't like them to be drunk when they're on duty. So they also can consume any alcohol when they're on duty. Um, we also condition what kind of entertainment is allowed. So we determine whether or not they sometimes can have any kind of entertainment. Sometimes it's limited to just live music. Sometimes it's limited to just trivia and karaoke. We also tell what days and hours. So we will spe uh, specify the specific days and hours that entertainment is allowed. And then also the areas where entertainment is allowed. For example, if someone has a patio and it's in a residential area, it may be that entertainment is not allowed on that patio not to disturb the residents. Uh, it also includes patron age. So most of our venues are 21 and up. A lot of our live music venues tend to be 18 and over. And whenever we have anything where it's 18 and over, there are also restrictions and identifications in terms of how you address and limit alcohol being provided to those under 21. And we also have uh, conditions related to occupancy to make sure they don't in, uh, go over the maximum. And we regulate noise because we wanna make sure that we address community concerns related to noise. One of the key elements of our conditions are related to security. So we really wanna make sure that there are information and requirements for actually what the guards need to have to be a guard, as well as what those responsibilities are. Some of the key components in terms of requirements for guards is that they need to make sure that they're doing crowd control and crowd dispersal. They're also required to uh, ensure um, prohibiting illegal activities such as loitering, fighting, 
then for some of our venues, we require identification scanners. So those are mainly our venues that are large. Usually if they're 500, 1,000 uh, occupancy will uh, require a scanner. It's an identification scanner that's used to detect underage patrons, double scans, false IDs. Um, it requires a picture to be taken with every patron that comes in and it's required every time that patron comes in. The scanners are really useful in terms of they've been helpful in solving crimes af um, after an event because police can go back and look at that data and that's been really helpful in apprehending suspects. Also for some of our larger venues, we're starting to require video cameras. And these are video cameras that are set up outside the exterior so we can check who's coming in and out of the venue. Again, it's for our larger venues and in those areas that have uh, denser um, entertainment areas. So maybe there's two or three clubs in a cluster. Uh, the video cameras are very helpful in terms of being able to track different things. And they've also been somewhat helpful to venues when patrons have made allegations against staff. Sometimes the video cameras actually disprove that. So those are some of the requirements that we have in terms of cameras. In terms of enforcement, we have two city teams that are responsible for enforcing uh, the city code as well as the conditions. There's a police entertainment team. It includes a sergeant and depending on staffing, about three to four officers. Uh, and we also have a new team that's from the code enforcement uh, department and it is a senior code enforcement officer as well as four code enforcement officers. And so they work collaboratively and their responsibility is enforcing again, the code as well as the uh, permit conditions. So here are some of the more common violations that we have. Probably the some that are of note that are of primary concern are um, failure to have the appropriate number of guards, um, failure to manage and control crowds because that's when we get fights and over occupancy because it's a real fire hazard. But these are generally the main violations that we see. In terms of violations, uh, violations are observed by staff and there's a number of remedies that we have to address violations. We can do a simple notice of violation, which is a warning. We can also issue an administrative penalty up to $25,000, or we can issue an administrative penalty as well as administrative action. That would include modification, suspension, or revocation of the permit. If someone is a repeat offender and they're a permit holder and they have a number of violations, it also might impact their ability to get renewed. And if we have someone that's a permit holder and they have a number of different violations when they come to renew their application, that permit may not be renewed. So that really kind of concludes my presentation. I think the one thing that's most important to note is that we do have things in place to address violations, but really our goal is compliance and we really try to work with venues because our goal is always just to make sure that we have safe and successful venues. Thank you, Tina. Um, Angel, I believe we will now move on to the a presentation by the applicant. Um, I understand Diane Kinderman is going to do a presentation. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. Uh, Diane, I have the PowerPoint presentation. I can skip slides as you ask. Thank you. And Chair, good evening, uh, Chair Hernandez and Commissioners. My name is Diane Kinderman. I'm an attorney with the law firm of Abbott and Kinderman, and I represent the applicant. And I would first, before I start on my presentation, like to thank staff, Angel Anguiano and Marcus Adams have been so helpful 
to guide us effectively through this process for tonight's hearing. So thank you to both of them. They, they, we really appreciate their efforts on this. I'd also like to mention briefly before we start this short PowerPoint that uh, we submitted a late letter this afternoon. Our practice is to get these into the record uh, with your staff report prior to that, but we were trying to uh, complete it in lockstep with as many of the opposition comments, but um, it, that is why it's a little bit late. What I will tell you, uh, and we did discuss this with staff earlier this afternoon, the content of the letter is that it is a letter that dovetails with the analysis in the staff report. It identifies how the project is consistent with the general plan, the zoning, all of the community plans, including the Sacramento percent, uh, Center for Innovation plan, and it's consistent with the PBID, the Power and Alliance PBID statutory um, obligations on business development. So our letter talks about that. We did respond to some of the opposition, but um, uh, Fair and Peers, the city had Fair and Peers, pre um, its traffic consultant, already prepare and put in the record while we were preparing our response, their own technical response to a uh, supplemental traffic report that had been submitted to us. So um, that's the composition of the letter. And once again, we apologize for being late, but we did want to get it in the record. And that's, it really just dovetails with the staff report. So with that, I do have a brief PowerPoint presentation and if you could just turn that down, excuse me. And um, when I'm done with the PowerPoint presentation, I would appreciate, and I know that we have limited time, I would appreciate the opportunity to talk about a compromise that we suggested to the Power and Alliance on seven conditions of approval they had presented to us. So I will go through the PowerPoint, if I may, and then I'd like the opportunity to go through the proposed compromise with your permission. And so with that, thank you very much, Angel. So we're on our first slide here. And if you would kind this shows you what the uh, uh, depiction of what the front of the uh, music hall might look like. And our second slide really just shows the two buildings as they currently exist. They're vacant tilt-up warehouses that will combine into one building to constitute the music hall, which is the larger building, and the restaurant, which is the smaller building. And uh, we, I know staff discussed this a little bit. Um, the larger music hall is likely to have two to three events on average per week of the type of music event, artistic event, and then additional events, maybe 20 through 40 throughout the year, would include such educational events, perhaps as a TED talk, um, conferences, weddings, and other sorts of activities like that at this in this um, arena. Uh, if you would move on to slide three, please. So I know this was discussed in the staff report. Once again, a quick snapshot of the location. I do want to mention that when the applicant, or about three years ago or longer, pre-COVID, the applicant reached out to city economic development and tried to work with the city to find out where would be the best location for a venue like this. And they were directed, the applicant was directed away from Midtown and Downtown. And it was suggested that they look to the vacant industrial areas to the east of Downtown and Midtown, which is exactly what we did 
and how the applicant came to this location, the Ramona Avenue location. So we were intentionally directed in this area and we appreciated that very much. As to slide four, if possible, it's just a photograph of how the corridor looks right now. And we are going to look forward to the opportunity to enhance the structures, of course, and the entire corridor, which we'll be doing as part of the project. And then on to the next slide. The SFET is how this is pronounced. So the applicants are also owner operators of a similar music concert venue in Providence, Rhode Island. And in that location in Providence, they too worked with the city economic development staff to determine the best location for this type of a venue. And they've been very successful in terms of being good community members and recognized as such. A little bit later, we are going to show you some support from local officials on as to how this has been operated in a positive manner, in a safe manner, and consistent with all of the conditions that have been required by the city of Providence. I also wanted to mention in terms of support that we have received, and I think somebody moved, oh, here they are. We have also received a stack of 350 support letters. I know the staff report didn't quite have all of those yet, but up to date, there are actually 363 letters of support from not only businesses here, but also from residents and other members of the community supporting this project. If we may go on to the next slide, please, Angel. Thank you. So this talks about the many community benefits. This is described thoroughly in our letter as well. But this is really important because we think it is definitely in lockstep with the Sacramento Center for Innovation. And there are many goals of providing an innovative format for creative activities, which will certainly be available at this venue. Additionally, it is going to be the only sit-down restaurant in the area and will provide opportunities for others in terms of employment, students and others seeking employment, seeking to improve their music skills, their artistic skills, dance skills, and learning the many facets of the music business. I also wanted to mention as the area develops consistent with the Sacramento Center for Innovation goals and policies in the specific plan, that employees who will be at the tech buildings and other businesses that will locate in the area will be able to take advantage not only of the restaurant, but of the music venue. So it will make it a much more enticing area. So on to the next slide. There are many economic benefits of the project as well. They're outlined here in the slide. We had an economic analysis prepared for the project, which identified these. So an expert identified these numbers. $22 million project would create over $11 million in construction benefits, $10 million annually in economic overall benefits, 81 jobs, over half a million dollars in tax revenue to the city and the like. And once again, it will assist not only in the specific plan goals, but in the actual expansion of the Adopted Center for Innovation. On the next slide, please. Concerns were raised about traffic and circulation. And in response, the city of Providence has been working with the Adopted Center for Innovation to 
the city had an independent analysis conducted that um, confirmed both traffic and parking needs of the project. And the results were that the road network, traffic signals, circulation pattern, on-site parking, and nearby light rail stations allow us the city to conclude in the CEQA document that there will be no significant impacts from the project. And I also wanted to mention on traffic and circulation um, that one of the new conditions of approval that was requested of the project um, requested that we, from the opponent, uh, one of the opponents requested that the three-way, we install a three-way stop sign at Ramona and Cucamonga and a pedestrian crosswalk. And the applicant has agreed to that. And so that will further help public access and circulation. On the next slide, slide nine. So we have a very robust safety and security plan that was commissioned by the applicant that was presented. It's included as an exhibit to the mitigated negative declaration. We also heard from Ms. Lee Voigt. We really appreciated her presentation, providing everyone with the details of how the city works with a, an operator to ensure that the community is safe and that these entertainment values are really just for entertainment and not uh, does not instill fear in the community and that patrons are um, home safe and sound and that they get to enjoy entertainment in a safe manner. So the safety and security plan is part of the mitigated negative declaration. And um, uh, beyond that, it's um, it, we hope that it will be adopted as part of that document tonight. On to the next slide is the additional parking management and traffic support. And there will be all of the queuing when an event is over, I think is important here, all of the queuing um, of any Ubers or other vehicles coming to pick up patrons will be on the site. There will be no off-site queuing. So it's been designed very efficiently not to cause any off-site impacts while um, people are lining up to um, get on their get in their rides. And the um, oh, and there will once again be private security of the off-duty police to help manage the traffic flows in and out around Ramona Avenue. And there will only be one exit. If you look at the bottom of the screen, the little car down there, thank you so much. Yeah, that, that is the one exit onto Ramona Avenue. It's one way in and then one way out. And that's a really um, tight way to control the traffic. If we may see the next slide, please, slide 11. So the various impact studies, um, uh, uh, the, the mitigated negative declaration, traffic study, security plan, operation plan, everything that is a part of the CEQA document, um, all of these things, the concerns about any potential significant impacts have been addressed in the independently prepared mitigated negative declaration. Um, and all of the conclusions have been that there are, no, are going to be no significant impacts as a result of the project and all of the topics discussed, including, as we note here, uh, noise and vibration as well, because with the ampl amplified music, that can become an issue. But once again, the conclusion is there are no significant impacts. Um, next slide, please. These are just some additional information on the economic analysis. That's not really a CEQA impact. But in this circumstance, it's very helpful to know that the project will benefit the community. Um, and 
feature a venue for local artists, youth groups, youth opera, symphony conventions and events. And then um, once again, on the noise and vibration study, there are no significant impacts as a result of the project as well, the amplified noise. And the next slide, please. Now, um, we refer to these as community enhancement. So throughout the three-year course, we of course were um, a little bit slowed down with COVID, but um, we appreciate the city continuing to work with us on this project as, they were, as we were all able to during the pandemic. But there are 17 or more community enhancements that have been developed as we listen to the community members, as we listen to the city, what was important to them to see at this project, uh, the applicant listened and here are 17 of these community enhancement that has been, um, that have been part of this project, including adding a second parcel um, for extra parking, solar arrays, additional EV parking, um, expanding the restaurant to include lunch and dinner seatings for employees in the area in this uh, Center for Innovation as it evolves, um, limiting alcohol sales uh, so that they conclude one hour before closing times, um, the separate vehicular entrances, opportunities for students and local musicians to practice, um, hold recitals and other volunteer opportunities on site, murals, metal artwork, and what have you. So this is just a list of some of the benefits that really are non-nexus items that the applicant has agreed to as it were closely with the community and with the city um, to present this project to you today as it is. And the next slide, please. Oh, so this is the slide of various supporters. In addition to our 363 letters, you've got Mr. Testa, who's the president and CEO of Visit Sacramento, um, a wonderful uh, note of support here, letter of support. On the next slide, please. We also have community supporters, Mr. Smith, with the Sacramento Youth Symphony is so excited about this, as is Mr. Van, who's also the Youth Symphony general manager. They are so supportive of the creation of this Music Hall Performing Arts Center. They look forward to collaborating with us and we look forward to collaborating with them. Um, uh, very excited to have this concert venue um, of this just perfect size in this perfect location. Next, please. Um, so another uh, James Fitzgerald, uh, business supporter, uh, director of project development, Market One Builders. Um, He's someone who's very excited to see the strip change into something vibrant and beautiful. It's certainly from the pictures we saw, it will benefit from enhancement and provide needed jobs for um, students and career pathways for seeking career in the performing arts. Next, please. Um, some neighboring supporters. Now, we reached back to Providence, Rhode Island to um, provide you letters of support. Um, here we have the bishop from the cathedral who is a neighbor and who is, of course, you know, wondering what, how um, the operations joint uh, operations near the cathedral might work. And once again, he's been surprised by their contribution to the area. It's been a great night spot, a few hundred feet from many of the church's properties. And he recommends uh, this company to our city because they have been a very good neighbor. They've operated properly within all the guidelines, even if they don't have uh, Ms. Uh, uh, Tina's wonderful, Levoit, her wonderful um, operations with the city as to how they manage entertainment. Um, even if you didn't have that, we would be good neighbors. So the applicant would be very good neighbors. 
Next slide, please. Elected supporters as well. Um, House of Representatives, Rhode Island's Congressional District. Once again, um, one of the applicants has made outstanding contributions to the city and state's art and cultural sectors. Pioneering creative entrepreneur committed to historic preservation, environmental sustainability, and public safety. And that is all what this community is about. Um, and I know we don't really have a historic issue here, but environmental sustainability, public safety with great entertainment and arts opportunities. It's just, uh, it, he's recognized it and we wanted the commission to see this. And next slide, please. We're just about done. Regulatory supporters from the Providence Board of Licenses. Once again, they've gone um, over and above and they've complied and they've set a wonderful example in their community. Next slide, please. So once again, um, a summary here, it is consistent with all area plans. And as the lawyer, that's the general plan, it's consistent with your zoning. It's consistent with all specific plans, including the Sacramento Center for Innovation. And it's consistent with the Fruit Ridge Broadway, Fruit Ridge Broadway Community Plan. So legally, we are consistent with all of those plans. And it, as part of that, it's revitalizing, revitalizing an underinvested area economic catalyst supported by local business leaders and residents to the tune of 365 letters. And so with that, um, a quick moment here, if I'm, if you could grant me just one more minute to discuss the compromise that we pursued today with the Power and Alliance. Um, do I have permission to speak to, uh, to that right now, Chair? Go ahead. Thank you. Excuse me one minute. So yesterday at about 3.30, we were presented with, here we go, we were presented with a, um, a request uh, with seven conditions of approval, and they are in the record right now, from the Power and Alliance. And um, of the seven conditions of approval, the applicant has informed the Power and Alliance that we have, and the staff is aware of this as well, that we have agreed to conditions of approval four, five, six, and seven. As to conditions of approval one, two, and three, um, as to con I will talk about those for a moment. So on condition of approval one, which was really focused on the hours of operation, at least our understanding from the opponent, and I know they're going to speak tonight, um, they seem very concerned about the hours of operation of the restaurant. So what we have agreed to was the applicant has said that they would agree to as to the restaurant only. Uh, oh, there we go. Wonderful. So on condition of approval one, we suggest Dan. modification. Dan, one second, please. Um, Angel, thank yes. you for uh, sharing your screen. Would you mind zooming in? Yes. Do you want to show the ones we've agreed to first? So four, if you want to scroll down to four real quickly, um, that we would not be open to the public prior to any event and that the alcohol sales would cease 30 minutes prior to the conclusion. Well, we agreed to an hour and the city's requested and we've agreed to an hour before the conclusion of an event. And all of the other language in there, we've agreed to that as well. Um, on number five, um, the calendar of scheduled tickets events would be made publicly available. Item number six, we've agreed to install a three-way stop at Ramona and Cucamonga, and then a pedestrian crosswalk would be installed to allow for safe pedestrian access. 
a brief study has to be prepared, mm -hmm. and that is called a warrant study. Warrant study. Uh, we were advised a warrant study has to be prepared to make sure that um, the city's uh, traffic engineers are on board with um, with this. And, but we are um, agreeing to it. The applicant is agreeing to it. And then number seven, um, request that venue security will monitor offsite parking areas approved pursuant to this use and the paths of travel to and from such locations, both before and after the evening event. So we appreciated uh, Power and Alliance's suggestions. We are agreeing to four, five, six, and seven. So if we move up to number one, and in a conversation, there, uh, so there's some combined ideas here, but in number one, what we suggested, we don't know the response yet because we were very close to the meeting starting and we do not know their response. I'm sure they will let you know their response tonight. But what the applicant suggested was that on as to the um, restaurant only, on non-event nights that as to the restaurant, it, the kitchen would close at 10 p.m. and the restaurant would close at 11 p.m. So we agreed to that on non-event nights. But as to event nights and both, you know, both facilities, the everything else would continue as requested from 6 p.m. 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. And so that's our modif proposed modification to condition of approval number one. As to conditions of approval number two, there are so many compound ideas in both of these that we are not going to agree to those. If they, yeah, there's no need to agree to them. We believe that city staff has thoroughly conditioned the project to address all environmental issues, all um, which would include safety, public safety impacts, but We've already determined there are no significant impacts as a result of the project. We have additional public safety measures that um, we have recommended. And you also have the additional layer of the wonderful program that Ms. Lee Voigt spoke about that will address uh, various concerns about um, public safety. And so because two and three really seem to deal with um, Kind of trying to sort of redefining or trying to define events in a certain way and different hours of operation, um, whether they're traffic concerns or what. The traffic has, they've already confirmed there are no significant impacts as a result of traffic. That was doubly concerned when um, the city's own traffic engineer responded to the PRISM report that was submitted, uh, I think, to everybody on Tuesday. And it was submitted in the record by Power and Alliance on Tuesday. So the conclusion remains there are no significant um, impacts as a result of traffic. So we think that um, having agreed to um, at least four of these conditions of approval made a, a recommendation as to item number one, uh, that two and three we don't think are needed and we are prepared to move on uh, with the submission and the conditions of approval as is. And so with that, um, we'll look forward to being able to uh, um, respond um, and rebut any opposition if we may be permitted to do so. We're here, to, I'm here to answer any questions and look forward to that. And I so appreciate you listening. Thank you and giving me a little extra time. Thank you kindly. 
Thank you, Diane. Also, thank you, Angel okay. and Tina. Uh, please stick around. We do have a commissioner questions next. So commissioners, if you have any questions for staff or the representative of the applicant, um, now would be the time to raise your hand. Commissioner Boyd. Thank you, Chair. I do have a couple of questions. Um, uh, let me, sorry, let me go back on my list real quick. The uh, It was stated in the, in the presentation, the satellite parking, but I missed where that satellite parking landed? Someone would tell me. Yes, it's located at uh, 3009 Hour Road. And that's the existing uh, regional uh, RT parking lot. Angel, do you have a, a map that you can pull up for that? Yes. Yes, let me bring that up. Thank you. Thank you, Chair, for asking. Okay, let me share my screen here. All right, so I, that way everyone has their bearings. So the project is uh, located here. Um, this is Ramona, Bukamanga, Iran Road. And they've identified a 75 uh, vehicle parking spaces to be used for the site. And that those spaces would only be used um, when a certain uh, capacity threshold is met. So when the applicant is, or the operator uh, knows that they're gonna have a larger event, then they would utilize this offsite parking lot. Uh, I believe you just answered, I quite catch the end, you clipped off. You said during event nights, the applicant has already arranged with um, Sacramento RT the permitting of those um, parking spaces. Correct, that's correct. In, okay, thank you. The, uh, just, I'm sorry, sorry just to specify, it's it's on events that they expect larger crowds. So the threshold is about uh, 1,991 occupants. Okay, um, just a question. So since... Uh, um, of course, any venue would like to sell out any given um, production. Um, you have a, a variance of, of an expected audience, targeted audience for whatever the event is. With that said, the parking lot that's there at the venue, I believe you stated was somewhere uh, in the neighborhood of about 300 spaces, correct? Uh, it's a bit Not more. RT, yeah. but at the venue. Yeah, it's, it's actually more, about 400, 440. Approximately. Okay, so okay, so it's a slight, just a slight over uh, uh, run at the RT station. My my question just being, to not knowing, um, just being surprised by uh, um, an event of of, a, of of turnout. The facility is holding X amount of spaces at the RT lot regardless, uh, say five nights a week or seven nights a week, uh, whenever they actually have entertainment. I don't know if it's, well, through the schedule that was stated or that they're asking for seven nights a week. So those parking spaces, seven days a week or seven evenings a week are blocked off specifically if needed for the venue and not public accessible 
um, for non-venue uh, attendees, correct? No, so the, the, the proposed operations um, are for them to, op to have events between two to three uh, events uh, per week on average. So those spaces would only be utilized um, when an evening event occurs or a day, a matinee event occurs, but um, they'd have to meet that certain threshold. And Daniel could probably speak to a little bit more about their agreement with RT uh, on, the, on maybe the other portions of your question. Angel, on my system, you're, you're kind of going in and out. How many events per week did you say is the maximum that they are going to or is going to be allowed? Two to three events on average a week. Oh, okay. The, um, thank you for that. Um, a question that, Angel, you may be able to answer. The Sac State parking lot that is there on Ramona, was that just something that Sac State wasn't willing to allow this venue to use? Uh, so the city uh, can't require the applicant to use um, Sac State's parking. Uh, but my understanding is that the applicant tried to uh, discuss that with Sac State, but they did not come to an agreement. Okay. This is why I'm very familiar with the area um, for change that with that street particular. Uh, but that's why I was asking. Uh, of course, we can't force anyone to uh, where they should park, but since the parking is just down the street from the venue, um, anyway, thank you for answering that part. And my next question is um, actually to Ms. Tina Volt, um, if she is still with us. Hello, Ms. Tina uh, Lee Volt, and it's late in coming, but congratulations on your new position. Oh, thank I you. I you must leave. Um, quick question that just off center, or off point just for a moment, the close or the uh, policy for no open windows during performance of entertainment policy for the city of Sacramento, that's all entertainment venues. And does that include athletics as well? Or let me change that, sporting events as well? So we really don't do entertainment permits for sporting events per se, but in terms of most of our venues, it really depends on where they're at, but most of our venues, we do require that doors and windows are closed during entertainment just because that helps with minimizing impacts with noise. Sometimes we have some people that request having their doors open, but they're still open into like maybe a certain amount of time. It's really specific to that particular venue and their proximity to uh, residential or other folks that may be impacted by the noise. Thank you for that. Uh, from the design, I don't think the window aspect would, but just since you were here, I wanted to ask that question. Because the last couple of times I've been at the Golden One Center, I've closed my butt off because the windows were open. So I was asking about that because I was going to call management and tell them to close the window. But thank you, Tina. Okay. And uh, back to this topic. Um, the My uh, next question is, is there a specific genre? This goes back to the um, operator of the venue. Is there a specific genre of entertainment that this facility is uh, going to be guided to? Or is it just open to whatever uh, gets booked there? Again, that goes back to the operator, I guess, of the uh, venue. Yes. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Commissioner. I appreciate your questions. And um, there will be all types of music venues. There will not be, um, yeah, everybody is welcome. It could be everything from um, country to hip hop to 
pop to rap to classical. So everybody is welcome. And there will not be any focus on any particular um, type of music. So we're hoping it will be a very eclectic mix. And we're, we're going to encourage that. So across the board, there will be all types of music, we hope. And we're definitely going to encourage that. And we're open to any suggestions. So other well, I've got a, li a long yeah. list, but I'll wait to do that off. I know reggae. Much. I didn't That's put I didn't put reggae in my letter. What about that? How about new music? I mean, Sacramento State had used to have wonderful new music festivals. I don't know if they still have them, but those were terrific. If I may answer one other question about the Sacramento State parking, um, I was just informed by my team that they are not able. Um, legally to lease that space to us. Um, they're not able to lease space for private parties. Thank you for that. Yeah, uh, it prohibits the college from leasing it out to private parties. Thank you. Had to find my note. Thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioner. There's two last quick, thank you. There's two like, uh, quick last questions, Chair. Um, to, back to Angel, what is the nearest residential property to this venue? So there are single unit dwellings uh, to the south of uh, the project, approximately, um, let's see here again. It appears that they're approximately 500 feet. Um, and then there's also the crossings uh, to the north, which are approximately 600 feet from the property lines. And uh, I missed it. You said, and both of those are apartment complexes? Uh, to the north are the crossings, which are apartments, and to the south are uh, a cluster of single unit dwellings. Are, you said senior homes? Uh, no, uh, single unit dwellings. Oh, okay. You're echoing, um, it's maybe my system. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for that. That's what I was just curious why the Power in Alliance was requesting such a restriction or reduced hours of operation for the restaurant and with such limited residential uh, establishments in the area and even though they are within 500 feet it my opinion and unless just the on earth I don't you know four or five hundred people coming in and going to that restaurant um, through its uh, originally asked days. That's why I was just curious why the Power and Alliance would want wanted the reduced hours down to 9 p.m. Um, but anyway, with that, uh, as the operator had stated, they, had, they have agreed for 9 p.m., I believe, a few of the days, but for the weekend, uh, it was stated 6 a.m. to uh, 1 a.m. or 2, 2 a.m. operation. But that's all I have. Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Board, thank you for the questions. Um, perhaps the uh, the Power and Alliance can address that in the public comment period. And if you had further questions, uh, we can bring them back um, to address any additional questions that you might have um, during commissioner commenting uh, during commissioner comments. So thank you for that. And we'll next move on to Commissioner Caden. Thank you, Chair. Um, I, I think the use of the the Power and Light Rail Station. Parking lot makes sense. It's slow. 
largely underutilized at night. And, you know, it has the added benefit of allowing for folks who are um, not driving to take light rail and, and take that um, uh, mode to, to the concerts. I'm interested in understanding though, what the impact of the conditional use permit um, for the applicant to use that parking lot would have on um, future transit oriented development opportunities um, on the power and uh, station parking lot. I understand it's a lease, um, but you know, if RT is interested in developing that parking lot at some point, is this, you know, is that lease in any way making it more difficult? Like, you know, would the onus, I guess my question is, would the onus be on the music hall to find a new parking lot um, for overflow if RT wanted to go that route? Um, or is that on RT? Yeah, so they do have an agreement in place and the CUP is tied to the capacity of the uh, of the venue so and it would be on on the applicant to identify their spots of that if the parking lot would be redeveloped with with housing or something like that got it okay and and i mean i guess it would be fairly far down the road anyway um but that's that's helpful to understand and then i'm just curious um are the the conditions of approval um that were proposed by the power in alliance um specifically related to the operating hours for the restaurant lounge and for the bar nightclub. Um, are those typical for, for other large music and performance venues? Like has, has the city imposed similar conditions of approval on similar venues like Ace of Spades, for example? I, I, uh, this is Tina Levote. I don't believe that the conditions in terms of the actual restaurant use are as prohibitive for Ace of Spades. I think that they're more just consistent with regular restaurant use. Got it. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Tina and Angel. Thank you, Commissioner Caden. Next, we have Commissioner Buckley. Uh, Chair Hernandez. Yes. Um, I'd like to um, bring up um, City Attorney um, Courtney Burdick. Um, we'd like to bring up uh, at least an item related to the proposed conditions uh, from Power and Alliance, and specifically condition number four. Courtney. Thank you, Angel. Just to the commissioner's last question about whether these conditions are normal, um, staff is obviously way better to answer that. Sorry, Courtney Burdick with the city attorney's office. Um, but the second sentence in condition four, alcohol sales shall cease 30 minutes prior to the conclusion of an evening event. It sounds like the parties have agreed to it, but um, that is not a condition that the city can impose on our permit. Under the California constitution, the city is expressly preempted from regulating alcohol sales. And there's case law that flushes that out further that makes clear municipalities cannot do this type of regulation. There's a 94 case out of LA and a 96 case out of the city of Oakland. Um, that said, what municipalities can do is regulate the secondary effects associated with alcohol, such as requiring security, lighting, things like that. And in addition, while the city cannot regulate alcohol sales, the city has a long history of actively engaging in the ABC process and voicing concerns and suggesting conditions that way through the ABC licensing process. But that second sentence would not be proper for our CUP. Thank you for that, for the clarity, Courtney and Angel, for bringing Courtney on to, to discuss that question. I, I believe condition number four says one hour, not 30 minutes, but your, your point is, is well taken. Um, 
Commissioner Caden, did you have any follow up to to that? I'm, I'm sorry, Commissioner Buckley, before we go to you. No, that that's perfect. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Caden. Commissioner Buckley. Thank you, Chair. Um, my question is about the alignment between this project and the Sacramento Center for Innovation specific plan. Um, and my question is really for Angel, I think, um, or, or anyone else on city staff who would like to answer. Um, you know, I, I know Angel mentioned that the uh, SCI isn't a binding plan in any way, um, but it seems like the crux of it is to encourage the development of the area as a hub for research, technology, and innovation. And I just wondered if you could um, articulate for us um, how this project advances that goal. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we carefully reviewed the, the, the proposed operations and the, uh, and the events that are going to be occurring on at the property. And, and we thought that the, the proposed use um, would host a variety of events that could be supportive uses in, 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 in supporting the, the goals and principles of the, the specific plan. So, there are a number of uh, guiding principles that speak to uh, promoting or enhancing the overall environment of the area and the project is doing such. And it talks about um, uh, providing some type of um, green technology and partnerships with other uh, local organizations. And the applicant has, has done that. Um, that's just to name a few, but I'd refer back to my PowerPoint presentation to sort of uh, speak to some of the policies that or key principles that uh, I referenced there. One moment. My computer's freezing now. So, in short, that's what I, that's what I would say is the crux and and the nexus between the both uses. But uh, perhaps Marcus Adams can, can elaborate a little bit more. I see Marcus with his hand raised. Go ahead. You're on mute, Marcus. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Chair. Okay, um, so I would also want to add, there is on page 11 of the uh, staff report, um, a policy that speaks directly to the SCI plan where it does talk about where residential neighborhoods and development occurs that there should be compatible um, or accessory, I guess you could say, supporting services such as neighborhood retail and other services. And so staff feels that yes, this is a center for innovation or there are primary uses, but that this use as was brought out, brought up by not only our staff, but also by Diane, that it, this does help support the community that's going to, that's existing, and that's gonna continue to develop there. We anticipate that there will be more residential in the area, there will be more businesses, the hub. Um, and I think that's, you, we see that Sacramento State took a neutral position on this because in our conversations with Sac State, um, they also see the potential of uh, having some benefits there. So that's uh, how I would address that also for that question. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, so I don't wanna put words in staff's mouth, but what I'm hearing a little here is that um, it's that this project supports components of the SCI 
but maybe there's not a very clear linkage to the encouragement of development in the area as a hub for research, technology, and innovation, except for in maybe creating um, some supportive amenities for that end. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I guess one last point also is uh, our thought is too that when the SCI plan was uh, established, they did they did have the ability to prohibit uses, and this was a use that was uh, specifically not prohibited. So, thank you. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. thank you, Marcus. Thank you, Commissioner Buckley. Next, we have Commissioner Chase. Thank you, Chair. Um, Want to go back to a comment that uh, Diane made uh, during her presentation. Um, as a Bostonian, before I moved to California many decades ago, uh, I spent a lot of time in Providence, which is an absolutely wonderful city. So very glad to hear about that. Diane mentioned the, you mentioned the, the eclectic nature of what will be anticipated here. Is that, is the music uh, that's presented in the Providence um, facility also very eclectic? Yes, it is, Commissioner. Okay. Great, thank you. I look forward to that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Chase. Commissioner Yee. Thank you. Uh, a series of perhaps disjointed questions. Uh, first one, uh, there is within the staff report an overall document that I'll call the operations plan. Uh, provisions of that operations plan, well, let me ask, ask the question. Do, does, is the operations plan incorporated by reference, or does it need to be something stronger in the conditions of approval? Do we need to repeat key components of the operation, operations plan and incorporate it into the conditions of approval? Commissioner, I believe your question would be directed to Angel or Marcus, is that right? Uh, yes, okay. staff. Marcus, perhaps can you can you answer that question? So, uh, Commissioner Yee, I just want to make sure I'm I'm clear on the question, but because my first thought is that the conditions took components of the operation plan, um, I should say the conditions that were crafted were taken from the operations plan that we felt that were um, appropriate to carve out. As far as just, if I and please correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as just actually putting the whole operations plan in as uh, conditions of approval, um, I guess my question would be what components does the commission feel are not included, whether it's it currently or with the amended or modified, potential modified conditions that would go in. So, um, well, I, I, think that's, I, I think that's a good point with the potential emphasis on potential, uh, perhaps that takes what I consider the major components of the operations plan and incorporates it in, that will incorporate that into the conditions of approval. So I will go back and reread that to make sure. Uh, second, there is a floor plan. I think it's a little awkward to get to it. Uh, that is, well, there's a floor, oh, here we go. Uh, it is on the drawing itself, 
drawing PP 0.1, uh, floor plan identifying different spaces. My concern is that there are references to spaces in the operations plan, and those names are not corresponding to the names on the floor plan. So there's a bit to me, maybe this is a nuanced question uh, or, or concern, that when it refers to a ballroom, on that particular sheet, that floor plan, I do not see the room identified as a ballroom. Uh, there is reference to a restaurant. And again, on the drawing, the floor plan, I do not see the name or a room or space identified as restaurant. I do see three bars, but I don't see the others. And, you know, if they're referring to an operations, it would be good to know clearly which spaces that is referring to. So unless it's somewhere else, I don't see it. I think it should be uh, clarified in some fashion so that the rooms then correspond, that they correspond together. Um, so the remedy to that, I will leave the staff to work out. Uh, Within the operations plan, there is also a security plan to the least off-site light rail parking area. Does the security plan extend to that parking lot? Yes. Okay. Um, it's my understanding that parking lot will be used when the operator thinks that the on-site parking will not be sufficient. So it, it's not going to be for every event. Some events will be smaller, fewer patrons, and not need that off-site lot, and some will. If that assumption is correct, how will the patrons be notified that that off-site light rail lot is available, how to get to it? and such. So maybe that's a question to the applicant. Thank you, Commissioner Yee. Um, I see Daniel with your hand raised. Can you introduce yourself? And um, I believe you'll directly respond to Commissioner Yee's question. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, nice to meet you all virtually. Uh, this is uh, sort of a new experience for me. So <laughs> Uh, it's nice to see how it works, and it works very well, to my surprise. Um, so to be there, my name is Daniel Hazopoulos. I'm one of the uh, the developers here, and uh, I will be the point of contact. I will be the manager on duty, and uh, I will be the one facilitating, as, as well as uh, Nicholas as well, you know, facilitating our community meetings and our outreach, and we will be the point of contact for everybody in the neighborhood and beyond the neighborhood that wants to communicate with us for, for any matter. Uh, regarding this particular question, and we live in a world now where everything is conducted pretty much online. So all the messages are posted on the website when the customers will be clicking on to purchase a ticket. So uh, uh, so ticket for the for the for the concert for the event. There will be instructions there, you know, where they're going to park. 
and it will be mapped out. It will be uh, everything is detailed nowadays. No, nothing is just uh, there's no calls now anymore. There's no uh, outgoing messages on the on the phone anymore. Everything is depicted on the actual place where customers are right ready to click for a ticket. Okay, hopefully that question didn't show my age. But uh, next question then is that there are, I believe, some additional lease parking adjacent to uh, the project site. Am I correct? There was mention in, I, I think, um, the spaces that, the parking lots that are not leased, how will they be identified? Is it, will your security, will your personnel put cones or barriers uh, on driveways that lead to uh, non-leased parking so that we don't, so there's some sort of control? Operation, yes, that's right. work. Of course, of course. We'll have a team dispatched along Ramona Avenue to prevent patrons coming in and trying to occupy a neighbor's uh, property. Okay. Oh, jumping back to the light rail parking area. You, there's a shuttle. So you do distance and terrain and such. Uh, unlikely that people parking there will walk to the venue. Is that correct? Uh, incorrect. We will provide a shuttle to pick them up from the uh, light rail parking lot and drop them off in front of our building. Okay. And I think. And part of the security plan also, there will be security attendants at that remote parking lot to monitor the vehicles of the customers. Okay. I'm skimming through my notes to make sure. And to answer another question for Commissioner Cadden, uh, who asked the question earlier, what would happen in the event the area gets developed to the point that, you know, we won't be able to hold on to a lease for those 75 vehicles. Uh, we are currently in the process of, of uh, searching for, for additional parking, should that be needed. And uh, last question, uh, it was intriguing information uh, about restrictions of of uh, what the city can or cannot uh, condition on alcohol sales to our city attorney then. Uh, I have a concern that this does not, for whatever reason, become a bar. Is it possible to condition that the bar serving the restaurant be conditioned to say that that bar shall not be used unless the restaurant is used or operational, and that the two bars serving the ballroom, that those two bars will not be operational unless there is an event in the ballroom. May I, may I respond? Um, the question was- uh, questions to the city attorney. Thank you for your time, Daniel. One more time, please, the fact pattern. So can the, the question is, can we limit the bar operations to only when the restaurant is open? Well, there are three bars. One bar is serving, I believe, the restaurant. Can we condition that that bar shall not operate independently and that it should only operate when the restaurant is operational? There are two bars serving the ballroom. Can we condition that those two bars do not operate unless there is an event in the ballroom? 
if you so all of your conditions i do not believe that would be a problem with the abc license your question is whether you need to um if that type of condition is necessary to allow you to make your findings on the permit your your four cup findings you can impose any condition that would allow you to make those findings but i do not believe that would be an abc preemption issue okay so that if I was inclined, I can make a motion to include that condition, the linkage between the bar and the ballroom and the linkage between the bar and the restaurant. There is no prohibition uh, from making such a motion. Whether it passes or not, it's a different issue, but I can make that motion. Correct, I do not believe that's an ABC preemption issue. Great, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, I yield. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you, Commissioner Yi. Next, we have Commissioner Lama. Thank you. Um, I appreciate all the questions. Um, at the moment, I just have one particular question, and it's a question to staff, and it might be um, pretty simple to answer, but there's a reference to some trees that are being removed. Um, 12 tree trees are being removed, and 10 are being replaced. Um, I'm curious if uh, what the, there's a reference to an ordinance. Um, uh, I guess my understanding would have been that it's one for one, but is there a different consideration, maybe the, the size of the tree? And is there a reason why we're only replacing uh, 10 as opposed to 12? Uh, Commissioner, I think you're, I think you might be looking at the conditions of approval, perhaps, or the staff report, but um, so yeah, they are proposing to remove 12 city trees along Ramona Avenue. An arborist report was prepared for the uh, for the review of the of the trees and assessed the conditions of, of those. And they identified uh, palm trees, which were not in great shape. Um, they were identified not to be in great shape or um, they were having some difficulties in, in, in their maturity or their growth. So it was, it were, it was recommended by Urban Forestry to remove them and replace them with um, with the better species with the species that's more ideal along the street frontage. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Lamas. Commissioner um, Commissioner Boyd. Thank you. A, qu a question for you, Angel. What um, I don't know if you looked, but what is the nearest the nearest bar to the proposed location of the applicant? You said bar, correct, bar? Well, I, I uh, facility serving alcohol um, in facility use, not walk away. Um, well, if you consider a brewery, um, if you're considering a brewery, that would be, it'd be at the inter intersect, uh, near 14th, Avenue, but that's not necessarily a, a, a bar per se. Um, the only other closest one that I identified um, was um, over in Talic, Talic Village. Um, I'm sorry, over in where you're gonna have to speak a little bit louder. Talic Village. So it's um, essentially in the area of um, 21st Street near Stockton Boulevard. So you're stating at least a couple of miles away. Right. 
I'm sorry, I didn't hear your answer. Correct. That's correct. Okay. Oh, thank you for that. Um, um, the uh, well, actually, here's a <clears throat> excuse me, my last question for you. Excuse me, my last question. Sorry, uh, Angel. I believe it's Tito's Tacos. Is that still on the corner of Power in? And I, um, I believe that's where Ramona loops around. Of course, not Ramona. It's uh, the next street south of Ramona. Is that facility still operational, uh, Angel? Um, I am not certain, Commissioner. Um, I, I'm, okay, just off the top, if you knew, you knew. I may be saying the wrong title, but it is, it's a Mexican restaurant. I thought Tito Tacos was his name, but I may be off. Um, and I was just going to ask, uh, I wasn't aware, but as you said, you haven't found one. I was going to ask if they had a bar inside of their sit-down restaurant. Um, but with that, no problems. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you, Commissioner Boyd. I don't see any additional questions from commissioners, so we'll move on to the public comment period. Um, Angel, do we have any uh, e-comments that we've received after 5.30 p.m. today? Uh, let's see. I do not see any new uh, comments uh, after 5.30 p.m. Thank you very much. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Yes, Chair, I have four hands raised currently. Give me just a moment to start uh, share the timer here. My apologies for the delay there. Uh, first, that's, that's okay, Jacob. Um, I just want to make sure that we have three minutes on the timer. Okay, our first speaker is Rita. Good evening, Chair Hernandez and uh, Planning Commissioners. My name is Rita Gallardo-Good and I serve as the Director of, of Civic Affairs for Sacramento State. Uh, I'm here tonight to provide formal comments on the proposed uh, SAC Music Hall and Performing Arts Center. Uh, representatives from Sacramento State met last year with representatives of the project team and staff from the city's planning 
uh, department at each meeting, we shared concerns about cyclists, bicyclists, pedestrian safety, parking, noise, street lighting, and student conduct issues. We appreciated the information the development team shared with us regarding the details of the venue's physical space and operations plan. We reiterated that we believe that the venue and the city has prioritized safety at the venue and in the neighborhood, especially concerning pedestrians, bicyclists, and patrons that will frequent the site in the, uh, in the evening. On behalf of the university, I wanted again to share our belief that the project does not align with the principles of the council's adopted Sacramento Center for Innovation Pacific Plan, most recently amended in 2018, which calls for the area to be the prime destination for clean energy, green technology, biomedical, biotechnology, and other innovative companies. Our position on the project remains neutral and the university is committed to the principles of the SDI. Earlier last year, we finalized a master plan for our 25 acre property, which is located across the street from the proposed venue. When completed, we are confident that Sacramento State's property, known as the hub, Sacramento State Research Park project and the home, future home of the California Mobility Center will include academic research and office space and fully align with SCI principles. We appreciate the developers in the city for their consistent communication on the project and for their commitment to ensuring safety of patrons and students and the overall safety of the area and the traffic and noise concerns are mitigated. Thank you very much. Next, I have Rachel. Good evening. Um, good evening, Chair Hernandez and commissioners. My name is Rachel Brown. And can you guys hear me? Yes, we can. Go ahead. Okay. I, I didn't see the timer started, so sorry. <laughs> um, I'm Rachel Brown. I'm the executive director for the Power and Alliance. And uh, on behalf of the board of directors, I wanted to express our concerns about the project. Um, as was mentioned in staff's presentation, there have been uh, letters of concern drafted by businesses in the district and sent to city staff. These letters convey their concerns about how this project could negative negatively impact the neighborhood. On behalf of the Power and Alliance, a few months back, I sent a map that shows the locations of the concerned businesses. Um, forget if that was shared with everybody, but it was in and around the uh, proposed location of this project. Um, the main concern that the board um, and the nearby businesses have with the project is the lack of consistency with the overall vision for the neighborhood as laid out in the Sacramento Center for Innovation specific plan. Um, I know there was discussion from the applicant's um, attorney earlier tonight about the draft conditions. Um, I believe our um, legal representation will talk about conditions two and three and the potential sticking points there, but I'm, I'm not prepared to speak to that and whether or not we could um, arrive at terms. I appreciate the commissioner's consideration of our concerns. Uh, thank you very much. Next, I have Matt. Good evening, Chair Hernandez and commissioners. This is Matt Kiesling of Taylor and Wiley here tonight on behalf of uh, Dimension Properties, as well as the Power and Alliance. Uh, I am the individual that submitted the letter that you received yesterday. 
uh, expressing concern with this project's overall incompatibility with the Sacramento Center for Innovation, the SCI. Uh, we have consistently voiced that position for three years as we've reviewed this project, um, and we continue to have those ongoing concerns. Uh, Chair, if I may, at the outset, I would like to say I, I see the clock is ticking, um, but at the end of the presentation from the applicant, they did address a compromise and walk through the conditions. I would like to request that we be able to do the same at the close of my comments or perhaps during deliberations, but I do think it's important to get to address those. But first, to my larger comments, uh, we believe that this project is not consistent with the Sacramento Center for Innovation. To be clear, the Power and Alliance and Sac State created that specific plan with the city. And note that Sac State is here saying it's not consistent, as is the Power and Alliance, which I think should lead you to note that this certainly is not helping us move in any way towards being a hub for clean tech, green tech, or biotech. Um, and I think to try and say that it's somehow supportive of those underlying uses, we could get behind if, in fact, that's what the applicant intends to be, is supportive of the underlying business uses and tech uses. Um, as was mentioned by Rachel, opposition is rather consistent from all surrounding property owners, including the residential property owners and the business owners and neighborhood organizations, as well as letters of, though called neutral in your staff packet, I think it's safe to call them letters of concern from both Tahoe Park as well as Sacramento State, since they both raise concerns with the project. Um, despite our opposition to this project, we do believe that the application has been evolving. Um, the addition of the restaurant and coffee shop to serve food during the day is a definite plus. Changing the types of uses from just being late night bands to also being uh, corporate events, product launch, TED Talks, I think I read in the staff report. We support all of those things. We also support the Youth Symphony and the Performing Arts. Um, and moving that direction is great. Also learning that the venue would only be open two to three days a week with night performance is positive, as well as stopping alcohol sales prior to the end of events and not staying open until 2 a.m. selling alcohol and being a bar. Um, all those things said, so far we only see those as descriptions of the project in the staff report and as operation plans, but not as conditions of approval on the project. As you know, this is a request for a CUP, and when you grant that CUP, CUP it becomes a vested land use entitlement. Without conditioning the project appropriately, all you will be approving is a bar and nightclub that stays open till 2 a.m. seven days a week. Next, I have S. Samaniego. Hi, good evening. My name is Sandra Samaniego. I'm a resident um, right near the event. I'm really concerned about the noise, and I appreciate everybody's comments and work for this evening. But quite frankly, I have to agree with the previous speakers that this project simply does not appear consistent with what's being projected there with the hub. Um, and again, I think this project is, seems exciting. I don't think this is the right location for it. I'm really concerned about the noise that it's gonna bring. I understand in the, you know, we're not gonna be negatively impacted, but they've told us that before in other reports. And then guess what? We're negatively impacted. And honestly, let's call it what it is. It's a bar, it's a bar. Um, and while I think it's great for Sacramento, I don't think that that's the right location for that. Thank you. 
Chair, I have no more members of the public with their hands raised. Thank you very much. And thank you to the speakers who called in tonight. Um, I will now close the public comment period and bring the discussion back to the commissioners. Um, commissioners, if you have additional questions, comments, uh, or concerns, uh, also this is the time uh, to make motions. I know there's a lot of information here and a lot of information that we received just tonight or a few days ago. Um, so I'm looking forward to the discussion here. And um, we first have Commissioner Yi. Thank you. Uh, I know that it's not our intent to have a debate. Uh, this is not that type of venue. I do think that it would be informative if we would hear comments from the author of uh, the letter with the seven items that the applicant has spoken to and give uh, the representative of the Pauline Alliance an opportunity to uh, comment on those seven items and the, uh, the response from the applicant relative to those seven. So I ask for an indulgence and accommodation. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Yi. Um, what we'll do is take a quick five minute break. It's 8.08, .08. we'll come back at 8.13. At that time, we'll give staff time to bring in um, the Power and Alliance. I do want to reiterate, as Commissioner said, as Commissioner Yee stated, that this is not a time for debate. We want to hear the facts um, and um, additional comments from from the applicant and and the opposition um, must be responding for, directly to any specific commissioner questions that they direct to them. Um, so, with that, we'll return at eight thirteen. Thank you. We are live. Thank you very much. Um, Commissioner Yi, uh, just want to reiterate that your request is to have the maker of the conditions to respond to a couple of those conditions. Do you, do you have specific questions or would you like to clarify? You're on mute, Commissioner Yi. Uh, just to clarify, I think there is on um, the applicant's uh, statement agreements to four, five, six, and seven. Uh, there was a tweak of condition one. Uh, there might be, I think from city attorney advice that conditions two and three may not be totally applicable or allowed. Uh, I would like the author of those seven conditions to talk about one, two, and three. 
Okay, Commissioner, thank you. Um, and who did we promote staff? Can you? Sasha, can you help me out here? Yes, I will promote. It's Mr. Kiesling, I believe we want. Yes? Yes. Okay. Thank you, Stacia. Um, Matt Kiesling, I don't see you. Uh, there you are. Okay, if you can please respond to Commissioner Yee's uh, questions and comments. Good evening. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to. Commissioner Yee, uh, thank you for asking the question. Um, and I will say uh, we are grateful to the applicant for accepting the proposed conditions for five and six. Um, though I do think condition six, well, uh, sorry, four, five, six, and seven, though I do think six and seven were more appropriately addressed to the city. The purpose of conditions one, two, and three, which you specifically asked about, were really to codify the operations as the applicant themselves described them, right? It's to give the surrounding property owners and the power and alliance an assurance that this use is actually going to operate in the fashion it says it's going to. Um, and the reason there's directly tied to city code which says the commission or any decision maker may approve a conditional use permit based upon the following. And the very first thing is that the proposed use and its operating characteristics are consistent with the general plan and any applicable specific plan. And we believe for this use to be arguably consistent with the specific plan, it's imperative that you codify those operation plans. The operating characteristics are essential to making it consistent with the SEI, in our opinion. And I would go on to say that the code also directly gives you the ability to impose conditions of approval that are necessary for you to make those findings. Um, I think it was mentioned by Commissioner Buckley, who asked the question, how is this consistent with the SEI? How is this supporting the creation of a technology hub here? Um, and the answer that I think we landed on was it provides a support service. Right, it's it's somewhere where the 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 business employees, that the people who are working in this industry can go there. They can grab a coffee, they can grab lunch, they can grab dinner, they can grab a drink. That's a support service. We are totally supportive of that, um, which is why we ended up with condition number one, which simply said the restaurant could be open from six to nine. Um, that would serve the needs of the businesses that will be located within the SCI. Um, and we even took it a step further and said, when you're, if you're having a night event, you can keep that kitchen open to continue to serve your patrons that are coming to see a concert, right? But on nights that you're not having a night event, close at nine o'clock. And we looked at surrounding uses. I think this goes to Commissioner Boyd's comment. We looked at all surrounding uses within about a mile, and we could not find any that were open later than 10 p.m. Those that were open till 10 p.m. were breweries for the most part. The restaurants out there close between seven and nine. So we thought that seems consistent with the surrounding neighborhood. And that's why we suggested that time frame. Um, the applicants have indicated that they are willing to compromise with us and that they would be happy to agree to close at 11 on nights that they don't have a performance, which in theory sounds reasonable. However, they won't agree to condition number two or wait, it's three which binds them to three nighttime performances a week, which is what they tell you they're gonna do, but they won't agree to limit it to three per week. So if they don't limit it to three per week, 
your use permit allows them to have night performances seven days a week. And so the seeming compromise that says they'll close when they don't have night performances, but they're allowed to have night performances every single night, is that really a compromise or are we really just getting a 2 a.m. closing time seven nights a week? Um, so I think if you're going to tie the restaurant's hours of operations to whether there is or is not an evening performance, you also need to tie them to how many evening performances are you going to actually have. Your staff report tells us it's two to three per week. We suggested language that said 12 per month, not to exceed three per week. Um, they find that to be unacceptable. Uh, we had talked today and said, okay, we'll say 12 per month, an average of three a week. If some week you want to have fine, that five, that's fine, but just don't exceed 12 in a month. Again, that was found not to be acceptable. No limitation on the nighttime, number of nighttime uses is, is okay with the applicant as far as we know right now. And that is unacceptable to the Alliance because we believe, again, that is turning this into a nightclub uh, open till 1 and 2 a.m., seven nights a week, which is not consistent with the SEI. We believe it means you cannot make your findings of consistency as you're required to do under the city code and by law. Um, and, and that kind of covers two and three. And if you look at the language in two and three, we didn't try to impose conditions where we just made things up. We, we actually went to the staff report and we looked at how the applicant was describing their own use, what they were going to do. Doors will not open more than an hour before a show. No show would start before 7 or 8 p.m. Okay, commit to that. Okay, commit to the other. Oh, you think most shows will be done by midnight? Okay, commit to that, right? But it seems like there's a reluctance to actually accept a condition of approval that simply binds you to be what you say you're going to be, which causes us to have concern. Because quite frankly, I think this operations plan is fantastic. I think the applicant puts together, they put a good foot forward. And it sounds like a great use, but a conditional use permit is a land use entitlement that runs with the land. And if this user decides to leave town in three years and this is sold to somebody else, all that they are bound to is what you actually put as conditions of approval in this conditional use permit, right? So the next guy comes in and all they have is something that has condition of approval C4. You may be open seven days a week from 6 a.m. till 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. on the weekends. That doesn't give us any of the assurances of TED Talks or youth symphonies. That simply gives us a bar seven nights a week, and that's what we find inconsistent with the SCI and inherently problematic. Thank you, Matt. Um, before I turn it back to Commissioner Yeh for any additional clarification or follow-up needed, I see Courtney with the city attorney's office with her hand raised. Courtney, do you want to respond to something um, that M Matt stated? No, <laughs> thank oh. you though. Uh, but I just wanted to make clear for the commission, uh, my comments about uh, ABC preemption relate only to Mr. Keesling's proposed condition four, the second sentence not condition four in the staff report. I'm only referring to the second sentence of his condition four. And we anticipated that might be problematic too, Courtney, and we would be comfortable striking that sentence if it if it goes within the purview of ABC. You know, really it was, we thought a commitment that the operator had made in their operations plan and therefore would bootstrap into making sure that the operations necessary to find consistency were applied by the city, but we're fine striking it. Perfect, thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Courtney. Uh, okay, Commissioner Young. 
Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate uh, the points that you brought up um, in your presentation, in your response. Um, I, my general feeling right now, and I'm going with feeling, is is that um, a lot of progress has been made in terms of discussions between Power and Alliance and all the various stakeholders in the the immediate neighborhood and and the applicant. And I, I feel like like I'm now kind of in the middle of like the final seconds of negotiation, which I don't think I really need to be part of that. Um, I don't think I should, nor should the planning commission be there. I, I feel like this this uh, project is almost baked. Um, there really seems to be um, uh, uh, initiative on both sides to really try to figure something out that that works. And I, I would I would feel more comfortable if if this was brought to us like at the next planning commission meeting. I I, I don't feel like there's that much more to to work out, but I I feel like by giving them a little bit more time to work out um, some of these conditions, uh, I, I think we can, I think we as a commission would be able to feel a little bit more comfortable and confident that a lot of the issues have been vetted. And and, and I think I, I would feel more comfortable voting um, at, at, a, at another meeting because I, I just think some good progress is being made, but we're just not quite there yet. Um, so so I, I think that's, that's just kind of, uh, my feeling, I, I'm open to hearing from other commissioners and and the applicant, but uh, that that's kind of how I'm I'm feeling about it right now. Thank you, Commissioner Young. I appreciate that, Commissioner Boyd. Thank you, Chair. Um, to Mr. Beasling, as you stated, the um, restaurants in the area have a um, pretty much a closing time. Uh, or between 7 and p.m. in the in the area. Now that is, uh, of course, would be based upon what the current look of the area is, and now take into consideration what the future plans are that you're aware, well aware of for the area. So, with the future plans of the area and a Sac State population that is continuing to grow, wouldn't having another eatery and a social outlet actually be in the benefit of the area and with that benefit having the ability for uh, later evening dining um, whether it's uh, Sac State older students and or freshmen of the like as long as uh, if there's alcohol being served of course they can't come in but if it's just an eatery then everybody's welcome to come in um, it, uh, again it's a 30 minute walk but as we know, most of us uh, don't walk, <laughs> jump in a vehicle and to get somewhere. That's just the way of the West. But um, um, so to that, that's why I, I, I've asked earlier and you had brought it back up uh, to my point of why the restrict, or excuse me, the request for reduced dining hours when in fact uh, directly across the street, a new building, many employees, uh, visitors and so forth there would be an outlet to come across the street and enjoy dining if it was there available for them. Um, and as someone who has produced entertainment concerts, restricting a venue to 12 performances in a month, you're asking that business to go out of business. The, just the reality. If you look at um, um, 
one of the commissioners brought up earlier, Ace of Spades. Um, I don't know their calendar. Every venue is different. It's just how you book and promote. Uh, you can catch a, uh, say, a top-end artist that will perform in a larger city um, because larger city, more opportunity to fill seats because you have a greater um, um, pick of individuals. But so Sacramento, we're still a media market. So a lot of name entertainment does come through Sacramento, but also a lot of name, uh, when I say name, I mean A-list level, name entertainment show up, excuse me, are booked off um, historically known performance days, i.e. Friday, Saturday. So they'll come on Thursday prior to going into, say, San Francisco or perform Monday night um, after leaving San Francisco, Oakland. When restricting a performance or entertainment venue to 12 performances per month, in my opinion, it would be almost um, absurd because you don't know when an artist is available. And it could be a Wednesday night not Los Angeles, but just using as a uh, analogy, Los Angeles, it, better nights are Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. The out-of-towners come into the city of Los Angeles to enjoy themselves Friday and Saturday. Locals, 8 million plus people, uh, enjoy entertainment during the week, and it, it's, it is a different vibe. I've worked in the film, television, syndicated radio, entertainment business for quite a while. So understanding having entertainment coming in and only and putting a number on how many performances you can have at your facility would be a detriment to that facility. So I just want to share that uh, with you, Mr. Kiesling, and uh, my fellow commissioners. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Boyd. I didn't hear any direct questions to Mr. Kiesling. Was that right? No questions. Um, okay, Commission Commissioner Matthias Reed. Yes, um, you know I agree with a sentiment of Commissioner Young. Um, I I think that there is uh, obviously uh, very clearly some room to work uh, towards uh, a path forward um, from. From Matt Kiesling and 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 Power In and the Alliance and and the applicant, um, and you know again I, I think there's been times in, in past commission meetings where we've gotten um, information late and I can I will speak for myself um, that I have a really difficult time making a very informed decision when I get information uh, late uh, or even presented to us at meetings. Um, I would say that um, I, I would really like to see that um, you two work together, um, come back at a date certain um, so that we can more comfortably make this, this decision um, that we have before us. Um, I think there is a path forward. Um, I think it sounds like you know, that Power and Alliance wants to support a project that fits with the SCI. And I think there's a path to do that. Um, so what I am proposing, and again, I don't take this lightly, um, but I am proposing that we continue this item um, 
to a date certain so that we can give them an opportunity to work out and discuss um, these conditions and bring it back to us. And I believe, again, correct me if I'm wrong, Stacia, but we can, I can uh, recommend in my motion a date certain. Uh, correct. Correct. Okay. The next planning commission meeting would be February 9th. Okay. And there is also a date on the 23rd, but the 9th would be the next available agenda. Okay. Um, Stacia, before you leave, Commissioner Reed, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. you. No, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. Thank you, Commissioner Messias. Yeah, so, well, well, I, Chair, I just want to say that I'm I'm going to make a motion to uh, to continue this item to the next commission meeting. Thank you. Uh, so we have a motion on the table to continue the item to February 9th, I believe. And I'm um, Stacia. I think my clarifying question was if this if a motion to continue has to be agreed upon by the applicant before. Uh, I'm sorry. Is my apologies <laughs> for that for that piece. Let me let me um, yeah take it back to to Matt and um, and uh, the applicant um, for your for your thoughts. I I, I feel like um, that's the sense that I'm getting here. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. So yeah. Diane, is that a, yes? The question is: Are you amenable to continuing the negotiation and coming back to the commission on February 9th for a final decision with a final list of conditions of approval agreed upon by all parties? Yes, we are amenable to that, Commissioner. Thank you. Thank you, Diane. Thank you, Commissioner Macias Reed. Um, so we have a motion on the table to continue the item. Stacia, one more time before you leave, if we can confirm that it's it's possible for February 9th uh, for that for us to agendize this again on February 9th. Uh, right, I believe we would have time to put that on to the agenda and we only have one other item on that agenda. So that would probably be a good night to do it. Okay, thank you so much, Stacia. Thank you, Commissioner Macias Reed. Next we have Commissioner, excuse me. Next we have Vice Chair Wallace. I think Commissioner Buckley, it looks like he disappeared. Um, so did Commissioner Macias Reed make a motion? Yes, she did. Okay. <laughs> All right, I was go a quick comment and then um uh I'll finish. But uh I I would um appreciate the comments from Commissioner Boyd about the viability of the business. Um and I hope that in those negotiations that I also um support um that there's a discussion of the other types of night events that could be used, that the space could be used for, would be beneficial to the business and less impactful to the surrounding area. And also there's an opportunity, I think probably to pursue partnerships with the other partners within the SCI, including Sac State. Um, and I don't wanna speak for Rita, but I, I'm just, uh, there's a lot of opportunity, I think, to leverage this. Um, and then with that being said, I would like to second the motion. Thank you, Vice Chair Wallace. Um, so we have a motion by Commissioner Macias Reed to continue the item to February 9th and a second by Vice Chair Wallace. Next, we have Commissioner Yee. Thank you. Uh, maybe just a comment to those participating in the uh, conversation that will be uh, coming up. 
Uh, one, uh, there was a comment that the important issues relative to the operations plan is already incorporated into the conditions. I would like uh, all parties, including staff, to make sure that that's the case, especially as conditions may be amended, added, subtracted, whatever, uh, based on the seven comments from uh, Mr. Keesling. So let's verify what is the condition of approval and what might be whatever. Uh, so uh, I, that is the only request I have then to, as part of this discussion. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Yi. Um, I do want to check in with Angel um, and just see if you have everything you need at this point um, before we go to a vote. If you have enough. Uh, yes, I, yes, I do, Chair. Thank you very much, Angel. Um, so we have a motion and a second. Kirk, will you please call the roll? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Boyd? No. Commissioner Buckley? Aye. Commissioner Chase? Aye. Commissioner Caden? Aye. Commissioner Lamas? Aye. Commissioner Masias Reed? Aye. Commissioner Zhang? Aye. Commissioner Yi? Aye. Commissioner Young? Aye. Vice Chair Wallace? Aye. And Chair Hernandez? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes. Thank you. Thank you so much to staff for the applicant and all of the participants on the SAC Music Hall. There's been a lot of work, um, so we are looking forward to uh, bringing the discussion back um, and, and in a few weeks. Um, so we'll see you again very soon. That is all. That's those are all the items for um, the public hearing calendar. We'll now move on to the discussion calendar. We have one item. This is item number four, the Healthy Places Index Discussion File ID number 2022-01443. And we have a staff presentation by Marcus Adams. Marcus, whenever you're ready. Thank you. Okay, well, I will um, try to make this presentation as uh, brief but succinct so that um, that we can get home tonight at some type of a good time so um, let me share my screen and um, let's see okay is my screen showing not yet Marcus Okay. Now, now is it? Yes, we can now see your uh, PowerPoint presentation. Okay, great. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Great. Okay. All right. So, go to 
I want to present the Healthy Places Index. It's a tool that we are using, and um, uh, we'll explain why, how, and when we use this tool. So first, a brief history of the Healthy Places Index. Um, this was launched in 2018 by the Public Health Alliance of Southern California, and the purpose of that was to advance health equity issues via data. Um, this was something that could be used for stakeholders, community leaders, and policymakers. And the HPI now is in its third edition, its third release. So um, it's um, been updated. And it's what a lot of people say it's the go-to data tool for both uh, state and local um, agencies. So the, the, how we got to this point and for this workshop is back in 2021, some of the commissioners uh, may remember we had IM or a CVP for offsite alcohol sales at a Shell Loop uh, service station on Valley High and Mac Road. Staff had recommended denial of that uh, CUP and part of the analysis that helped us to come to that recommendation was based on this tool, the Healthy Places Index. It was able to um, uh, gather surrounding information about um, environmental and social um, outcomes there. And so um, that at that time, the commissioners were introduced to the Healthy Places Index tool, and they asked that we come back to give more information on, on the, um, the use of it. So the Healthy Places Index tool has nine, what they call nine policy guides. And within each of those policy guides are policy action areas. I wanted to focus tonight on two of the areas, uh, clean environment and decision support. So for the first, as far as the clean environment, this, uh, this part uh, has action areas of ozone, diesel particulate, safe drinking water, and fine particulate matter. And I want to highlight the uh, fine particulate matter um, as that speaks to the interesting uh, item that came out in the San Francisco Examiner this year, this past summer, actually, last year. <laughs> and it addressed how the fine particulate matter had a relationship with high COVID rates. And these high COVID rates were for residents exposed to them uh, for levels of air pollution were 20% more likely to contract COVID-19. Um, and then 50% more likely to die from that because of these air quality impacts. So we could see then the importance of, of, of having to address quality within the city, as we know that that's something that we've been um, asked to do by both the state and our local um, air board. The next one, decision support. Uh, an example I want to use here is regarding the extreme heat. And so in the Sacramento Bee, there was an article that uh, that spoke to Sacramento having 100 plus degree day, heat days, extreme heat days. And so this is something that um, also the Healthy Places Index, the new, the, this new version, the 3.0 version, now has an online tool that can address the, um, the extreme heat. And in fact, our own Matt Hurdle was quoted in here talking about um, speaking to his excitement of having this tool for us to work with um, for, our, for our applications. Related to that is uh, impervious surfaces. We know that those contribute to a heat island effect. And you may have heard our air quality uh, staff sometimes speak to that. 
that's one tool that then we can use and there's conditions that we can do to address that we many times our current planning staff will ask developers to look to doing a cool pavement cool paving which can reduce things or we'll ask for additional trees not just the 50 percent trees that for parking lot shedding but we'll ask for even more trees than that also uh, other landscaping so there's different ways that we can address some of these um, these ill effects uh, i also have kind of half highlighted here um, the decision support is an example of how it was useful again was for the aforementioned alcohol cdp so when do we use the hpi um, i was fortunate enough to sit on the california's uh, apa conference uh, panel with the air force air, air force air resources board um, that spoke to this and they asked they wanted current planning to be there because they thought that this tool could be highlighted at the state conference for other planning departments to uh, to utilize so here we have kind of a flow chart of the entitlement process that all local jurisdictions use and you'll note here that um, that done the disclosure of impacts so it talks here about what if there are more things that could be brought up, such, such as climate risk, existing heat conditions, and existing equity bur uh, burdens. So this is, um, this is a case where this tool can help us then craft, whether it's uh, the, the current staff or with the commission, how we could then craft some conditions that could address some of these impacts. Also, we have the Cal EMOD that um, takes into account both the Cal Enviro screen and the California Healthy Places Index. They use this uh, between these two tools here. They're able to identify disadvantaged communities, low-income uh, communities, and AB 617, that is the, uh, the air quality uh, geographic areas of Sacramento that, uh, and statewide, but we have those here in Sacramento and South Sacramento where the air quality is above uh, the healthy levels. And so that tool then helps us to once again, get a more nuanced to look at any type of land uses that are going to be presented there on a case by case uh, uh, situation. So I also want to touch on as far as once again with the wind, uh, with the general plan. So right now we do not have, we're working, we do not have an environmental justice uh, element. And so the EJ element, so we're looking for that to happen in 2040. Because, uh, because we're not at that point yet, the Healthy Places Index has helped us to then help planners, current planners, to look at these aforementioned uh, different segments that, um, that can be, once again, we can craft conditions for them, we can present that. And we've used that uh, approximately four times so far to use those in analysis in our staff reports. Some of the other uh, agencies that I've worked with with the Healthy Places Index, uh, the Black Health Agenda had a, a seminar last uh, last year, and they use the HPI quite often and asked if we um, if we can continue to use that here in our analysis, particularly in some of the neighborhoods here in South Sacramento. La Familia also has, uh, in my discussions with them, have used the HPI, and of course the um, Air Resources Resources Board. They have the Community Air Protection Program, which is related to the, uh, the, the AB 618 that I mentioned earlier. So let's close here with um, 
with a quote here from John Planet Walker Francis. You may not be uh, familiar with him, but he's an environmentalist who in 1971 saw an oil spill here in the San Francisco Bay. And because of that, it, it purchased to become an environmentalist. And when he was working with other environmentalists, he felt that he needed a deeper connection to that. So he actually then went on 20, uh, 22 years of just walking. He gave up his motor vehicle um, and decided to walk for 22 years. Along with that, he also took a vow of silence of 17 years. So um, this was really near and dear to my heart. One of the things that really brought me to, the, uh, to become a city planner, to become an urban planner, was just because growing up in communities that uh, have to um, have these same effects um, it, it was something, a calling that I felt that can, the uh, way I can help out on that area. So um, this is, I guess you could say, sort of a hero of mine, John Planet Walker Francis. So with that, I'm available to answer any questions or comments that you may have. Marcus, thank you very much for the staff presentation and for the quote. Before we go into commissioner questions and comments, I do want to open up the public comment period. Um, so if we can check if we received any e-comments before after 5.30 p.m. today. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, I did not see any. <laughs> I'm like, Angel, answer the question. Uh, so, so no, I didn't see any comments. Thank questions. you. Thank you, Marcus. Um, and then I'll check in with the clerk if there are any members of the public present today who wish to speak on this item. Thank you, Chair. I currently have no hands raised from the public. Thank you very much. And so now we'll bring it back to the commission for questions or comments. Uh, the first hand raised is Commissioner Chase. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you, Marcus, for that presentation. I know it's... Um, I've been bugging Stacia for uh, some time now to kind of give us a presentation on yeah. this. I, I, yeah. I do appreciate it. Um, I, just a few questions about it. Um, how widespread is the use of this tool, um, you know, throughout, I guess, throughout the state of California, cities, counties? Yeah. Uh, from my conversations, I, I would say that they use it more so in Southern California than here in Northern California. Um, and then it's used not so much by current planning, to be honest with you. A lot of long-range planners, long-range staff tend to use it more. And because it's also incorporated with the Cal EMOD, um, those, some of those uh, indicators and some of those um, uh, recommendations that they have will be used uh, in an environmental analysis. Sometimes there has to be mitigated uh, mitigations and that they're incorporated within that. But, so I would, I would say though, within current planning, um, not widely, and I, but I think it's something that we, we might get an increase of. Okay. Um, next question, I'm, I'm assuming that this is more of an operational uh, move, but does the uh, Planning Design Commission need to approve the use of this tool uh, going forward? No. Okay. And uh, are we consistently using this tool now then on, on projects? I would say within our current planning staff, um, yes, we are consistently using it. Once again, it's on the project. So um, before I mentioned alcohol permits, um, we use it maybe for gas stations. So what the, the type of land uses that we know could have an impact, and especially if it's in a, uh, a recognized disadvantaged community or within the uh, 
the uh, the air quality uh, boundaries of the of, of the city. Okay, thank you, Marcus, for the presentation, and Stacia, thank you for bringing this before us. Thank you, Commissioner Chase. Commissioner Young. Yeah, thank you, Marcus, for your presentation, and I'm gonna look up that uh, that individual that you mentioned. So thank you. Um, 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 I, you know, I, I was hoping maybe you could uh, kind of maybe project what, what type of future applications you, you foresee the planning group using this, um, this, this statistic, I guess, I for better lack of a term, or this tool. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know you've already kind of mentioned that we've used it in, in the sense of kind of liquor licenses, pre prevention of liquor licenses in disinvested areas or potentially gas stations. But, you know, I'm wondering if, if it makes sense that it could potentially be a tool for prioritizing investments, uh, something a little bit more pro proactive um, for us. I, I, again, you know, it, it comes down to do we have the resources as you know, as a city, and, and how does that kind of shape shape our thoughts? I mean, I think it's a, it's a much more larger conversation, but I think so far the conversations have been really, this tool has been really used to kind of be uh, something to, to prevent something from coming in, you know, into a disinvested neighborhood. But I, I think we should maybe kind of think a little bit more proactively as to, to potentially um, what what sort of positive investments might, might be, we, use uh mm -hmm. no that's I, yeah just bring about so anyway th those are just my initial thoughts but i i appreciate the presentation it's it's something that is good food for thought for us and and um thank you for your time on it you're welcome and uh i know that was sort of kind of an open-ended question but um real briefly though i will say that the out of the four times that it's been used it's only once was for a recommendation of denial the other three times it was used in analysis so we um there was a uh, a gas station that was going to be built at Delta Shores. And we used it to, to see that indeed, there wasn't an over-concentration of uh, gas stations there. Um, there, there were, and it's a lot of times what it is used for actually is used more so maybe for positive things such as uh, food deserts. So quite often the tool can show whether there's an area that is a food desert or has um, a food, you know, sort of a, a food deficit. And it can be used then to promote having, whether it's a grocery store or asking, we've used it to, so that um, the gas stations that typically don't have, you know, they do have food, but we'll tell them, hey, there really is a need for fresh food and healthy food. So we use it in those ways. There's an example. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Commissioner Young. Commissioner Boyd. Thank you, Chair. Um, good evening, uh, uh, Senior Planner Adams. Um, haven't seen you in about a day or two. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, my question, uh, first question is, is the is there a physical copy available for us to pick up of the HPI report? No, there's not, but um, I'd be happy to provide, uh, this was the fact that when you just go into Google and just type in Healthy Places Index, it takes you right there. Um, and I'm happy to provide a link to if that's uh, if you need that. But there's not a physical copy, no. I appreciate the link. Um, I, I just have a thing for the, something 
tangible that I can put my hands on and uh, read it in, in, in my motion versus stuck to a screen. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I see uh, Commissioner Chase smiling. We are of, uh, of the same genre of, uh, thank you, <laughs> not being blinded by a, a blue light. I digress. Um, my next question uh, is, as you stated in your presentation, that right now the city of Sacramento does not have a environmental justice plan. Um, could you answer why we don't? Yes. Um, at, with, with the, at the time when the 2035 general plan was, uh, was done, that was not a requirement of, of cities. But now with our 2040 general plan, it is a requirement that all cities have an environmental justice element. And so the 2040 general plan will have that in that. And, um, and the, uh, just to give you um, a timeline on that, um, the uh, public review, the public review draft, we, we hope to have available uh, April of 2023. And the adoption of that is anticipated to be December of uh, 2023. So that so the EJ will have um, there will have many things that may not be actually a HPI map or policies in there, but um, there will definitely be influenced by things that you do find in the HPI. So at that point, then our current planning staff will be able just to use those general plan uh, policies and relatable um, um, goals and policies. Good evening. Thank you for everyone. that. I uh, just wanted to quick add a, a quick note here, Greg Sandlin, planning director. Um, that in May we we plan on having a, a workshop for the commission on the environmental justice element. So we can certainly get into more details. That it all will also touch on um, prioritization of investments as well. Uh, gotcha. Now I have a conversation. Um, getting ahead of myself maybe just a little bit, but now, as you stated, having a conversation in regards to, uh, well, let me back that out. Having a conversation of environmental justice, but not an implementation of, uh, let me back that up. Is it, will it be a conversation in regards to what we would like to see as a part of a future plan of environmental justice for the city of Sacramento, or just an overview? It would be the policies that we are proposing in the draft 2040 general plan, as well as implementation actions. So, um, yeah, it will certainly, we're, we're laying out what we're proposing to do in the next 20 years in that regard. Uh, one last question for you, director, uh, with that, as, um, uh, senior planner Adams had stated coming into effect in 2040, but is there any foresight of bringing that, I can't say how long it would take, but bringing it forward uh, an environmental justice plan much sooner than 2040? Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm, would, that would be um, the plan, which we are hoping to have adopted by the end of this year, um, would the planning period would be from now until 2040. So the 2040 general plan, and it's the, the environmental justice element. And so, yeah, in May, we will be talking about just that we'll have a, a draft plan policies and actions for your consideration. Thank you for that. And I, I did misunderstand um, what I heard it was uh, end of December 2023 would be more implementation of the HPI in, in 
um, uh, in use other than an environmental justice plan. So that was my mis misunderstanding of uh, uh, Senior Planner Adams' presentation. But that's why I was like, that wasn't that wasn't adding up for me not to implement until 2040. Thank you. Um, my misunderstanding. Thank you, Director. Thank you, Senior Planner uh, uh, Adams. And um, the last thing for Senior Planner Adams, I, I thank you for um, the information about Planet Walk. Uh, uh, wrote his name down. I forgot that quick. On Planet Walk. Dr. Harris. Uh, uh, if, Planet Walker. Mm -hmm. Or Dr. Harris, excuse me. Uh, one name I can put out there for the rest of the commission and yourself, if you're not aware, Dr. Robert Bullard, the gentleman that's credited for coming up with the term environmental justice, just an FYI. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Boyd. Commissioner Buckley. Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you, uh, Marcus, uh, for your presentation. Really appreciate it. I find um, our our analysis and decision making on alcohol sales and gas stations to be one of the more challenging things that comes before us um, because it it I rarely can see what the harm is, but I can tell that people feel like there's a very significant harm. Um, and so getting an, a tool to do that analysis is really helpful. So um, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but when thinking about alcohol over concentration, which I think is kind of like the key part of the tool that you brought up for us like that's that's the matchup to that that question right of, of alcohol and, and gas stations right like that's that's the main part of that tool that would be analogous to helping us solve that problem right the the alcohol concentration co component of it um yes and I, I think what the tool does is it not it's because you know it's it's straightforward you know if you have so many alcohol um, outlets there's that connection but then it also ties in other impacts that maybe aren't associated that with that so you look at um, the amount of um, low-income households or other things uh, as far as uh, health care deficits uh, and things that maybe people don't necessarily connect with the alcohol correlation and um, and that's that's what happened with that shell loop project um, for the commissioners who remember that um, we were able to see that just because when you took into the whole impact, uh, the existing conditions of that neighborhood of the macro and Valley High area, and then you combine there the density of alcohol, it just kind of it bleeds into other things that just then brings the community um, hurts the community. I appreciate that. And I think it's that bleeds into piece that I could really use some more unpacking of. I'll take a look at the tool, but as we consider this together going forward, I think it'd be really helpful for me to hear more about what the negative impacts of alcohol concentration are, um, because the map's great, but I, I kind of want to know really what that means for folks. Um, and I can, you know, extrapolate, you know, the ideas out of my mind, lived experience, things like that. But I, if there is research, um, that'll tell us a real story about the impact of over-concentration of alcohol in the community. I'd like to um, have that uh, you know, for the benefit of our decision-making. I think about the cannabis study that disproved, I think, some of the um, notions that we had around um, mm -hmm. cannabis in communities. And so just want to make sure that we're going down the right track with this tool and making sure we find something. We're, we found something that's actually indicative of a change we want to make. So thank you. I appreciate your presentation. You're welcome. Thank you, Commissioner Buckley. I appreciate your line of questioning. Um, 
Next, we have Commissioner Caden. Yeah, I, I was thinking, uh, you know, a little bit more about other potential applications here and, um, you know, piggybacking on what Commissioner Young was saying, um, you know, I, I, I think it seems like we're focused on the sort of less healthy areas, right? And, you know, certainly support, you know, trying to avoid over concentrations of, of those types of uses, certainly support investment in those areas. I think there's an interesting conversation around the flip side in this map around the very healthy areas um, in the sense that I, I think these are the types of places that we really would, from a housing perspective, want to try to you know, uh, allow for more affordable housing types. I think there's a huge fair housing nexus here. And I know there's, there's all kinds of different uh, metrics and maps to measure these different things. And I know there's an opportunity map that, that seems to track fairly well with this, but um, I'd like to, you know, uh, see as a part of the general plan update that we're going to be talking about this year, uh, a look back in the land use element at um, where these very healthy areas, the dark green in the map, how that kind of intersects with, you know, where we're allowing for more affordable housing types, because I think there's a, a, a really big fair housing nexus there. Um, so it might be an interesting application to look at, and I'm Apologize if I'm giving the planning team more more work or another index to look at, and that if they were already going to look at that, but this that could be a good application for this tool. Thank you, Commissioner Caden. Um, I just want to thank staff again for for looking into this for bringing this information uh, before us today. Um, we're I think it's very innovative for us to be more thoughtful about how to use it going forward and that we are kind of ahead of the game here in the Northern California region. Um, so looking forward to the future discussions. Um, appreciate uh, all of your efforts so far. I don't see other commissioners with their hands raised on this discussion item. Um, no action is required. So unless others have final comments or thoughts, um, we can move on to commissioner comments, ideas, and questions. Um, thank you, Marcus. Thank you. Um, so that concludes the discussion calendar. Our first um, ish item I'd like to bring up for Commissioner Comments, Ideas, Questions is for Commissioner uh, Julio Lamas uh, to give him the mic. And, and if you could please introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself. Congratulations and welcome to the Planning and Design Commission. Perfect. Thank you, Chair Hernandez. Um, so yes, uh, I, I just got appointed on Tuesday and wanted to give a shout out to the staff for giving me a quick orientation, I mean, uh, uh, give me an orientation quickly, and also the planning staff to kind of help me with some procedural questions, and also um, Chair Hernandez for kind of welcoming me, in, me into the, um, uh, our today's meeting. So um, I, uh, I have over a decade of experience in uh, the kind of the nonprofit sector and, and state service, um, and my interest has been uh, generally in affordable housing and trying to advance equitable outcomes and economic development efforts. Um, I'm currently with the California Department of Housing and Community Development. I am with the Office of Migrant Services. We oversee housing for migrant farm workers and their families throughout California. Um, so that's part of my professional experience, but um, I've come to realize that there's um, a lot of the work that I do professionally um, also ties into my kind of passion to to serve um, kind of locally. And um, I've had the chance to serve in the Peace Corps um, as an urban and regional planner in Albania. So that was um, a couple years ago. 
and um, I still try to remain involved in my own communities. Um, so I'm, I'm uh, a current member of the Garland Northgate Neighborhood Association. I'm in the Sacramento Inclusive Economic and Community Development Investment Committee. I am with the California Coalition of Rural Housing's Internship Advisory Committee and a former member of the Natomas Community Planning Advisory Council. I, I moved to Sacramento as a teenager and I graduated from Natomas High School. And I then went on to get a bachelor's degree in community and regional development from UC Davis and a master's degree in public administration from University of Southern California. And so that's a little bit of me in a nutshell. Um, I'm excited to be joining the commission and grateful for the opportunity to serve. Thank you very much Thank, and, and welcome. We're excited to have you on. Um, um, I know uh, former commissioner Phil Puckybaum is probably missing us terribly and watching us right now. So Phil, thank you for your service. Um, and uh, um, one more thing I wanted to mention is that, um, give me one second. Um, it's just um, a happy Lunar New Year. Um, I want to say that the state uh, passed House Resolution 5, um, talking about Lunar New Year and celebrating and commemorating that. So happy Lunar New Year to everybody. It is the year of the rabbit. And it's a time where um, people come together to re renew ties with family and start the year with a clean slate. So I just want to recognize that and invite everybody to, to celebrate the Lunar New Year. Are there any other commissioners who have um, comments, uh, ideas, or questions that they would like to raise? Seeing no hands, we will now move on to the public comment period, matters not on the agenda. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no hands raised from the public. Thank you very much. Well, that concludes today's agenda. The meeting stands adjourned at 9, 10 p.m. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Chair. Welcome, Julio. Have a good night.